of America, Washington, D.C., signing on. Welcome to Radio Contra, the podcast of AmericanPartisan.org. I, of course, am the Commandante of the Mossy Oak Militia and the best-selling author of The Gorilla's Guide to the Baofeng Radio, The Gorilla Dispatch Volume 1, and Gorilla Dispatch Volume 2, which will be out very, very soon, literally within a couple of days it has been submitted it is off to the printer it has hit the approval process and it will be the new installment in the gorilla dispatch series of course i am in here and we are live i have got two of my partners in thought crime here on the show live in the virtual studio on the air here in the gorilla camp i am joined by mr joe dolio and the one the only the virginia gentleman both uh storied co-hosts of council on future conflict as well as the privy council every wednesday night a show that i am very honored to be a part of and and Usually when I'm on there, I'm kind of the silent partner that sits in the back and doesn't really say a whole lot until I do, because there's some really incredible, uh, just just the, the level of talent, uh, the level of knowledge that is brought to the table. And to be fair, I'm not really quite sure why I'm there, because every one of these guys are absolute geniuses, and, and I'm very, very honored to, to be a part of that. But uh, anyhow, the Virginia gentleman in here, Mr. Stan himself, who is uh, uh, frequently on there and a guy who I believe personally, and I say this in, in the, the utmost sincerity, you are one of the smartest people I have ever talked to. And I don't say that, um, you know, because you, you hail from Dixie. And, and you are a true Southern gentleman. Uh, it, but that that's that's some incredible qualities about you, but it just speaks to your character. But but the well, fact that you truly are, kind. you you are one of the most intelligent people that I have ever spoke to regarding international affairs, international politics, uh, economics. It's it's when I always learn something and learn a new new uh, thing that I take away from listening to you, 
and I really, really appreciate it. And I wanted to take the opportunity to say that. Uh, Gentlemen, you're very kind. I I don't know that I'm going to be able to live up to that, but I I bet you're very, very kind to say so. And and, uh, well, hey, you and you you live up to that, and you and you hold you more than hold your own on on our show. So don't cut yourself short. Well, there's there's some there's some serious heavy bona fides in, in that show. Uh, it's pretty, it's pretty tall cotton. It it can be pretty tall cotton. It is, it is. But, uh, anyhow, jumping in here, of course, the thing that is on everybody's mind right now, especially, uh, conservative politics, left-wing politics, libertarian politics, doesn't matter where your, your political allegiance lay. Um, but the shooting in Nashville, shooting in Nashville, of course, we had, uh, Christian school. That was uh, shot up. Unfortunately, we have six that were taken from us, six Christian martyrs uh, that were taken from us prematurely. Um, uh, Three nine-year-olds, unfortunately, and three staff that were at the school, including the daughter of uh, a minister in Nashville. And of course, the shooter, Audrey Hale, who is uh, a transgender left-wing activist. This has all been confirmed, by the way. So anybody that that wants to uh, jump in on this show, send me angry emails, whatever. I get dozens of them a day. I get death threats. I don't care. Uh, I I really don't. Been there, done that, dealt with it, whatever. Right? This creature went by Aiden. That was in their own... Uh, its own communications that was sending to the outside world, uh, its profile on LinkedIn, which was sourced. I independently verified it myself. Uh, it wasn't from some third party. I verified it myself. Had several people reach out to me uh, when we broke that story over on AmericanPartisan.org and were posting up some of the early details that were confirmed. By the way, they were confirmed. These were deep. This was not some of the scuttlebutt. There was some uh, early rumors. There was some transgender activist, whatever, that had moved to Northern Ireland or something was a shooter. That was all nonsense. It smelled funny to me to begin with. A lot of that disinformation that gets thrown out there, but this one was confirmed as soon as the name was confirmed. And they have since scrubbed a lot of the social media data, too, by the way, because that's what yeah. they did. I don't don't know if you noticed, but I got in a rather public dispute with a reporter who claimed that Samantha Hyde was the attacker. And uh, and when it came out that Sam Hyde was indeed not the attacker, he goes, well, the story's the same. I'm like, no, it's not. You fell for an Internet meme. And and it's just silly. But uh, I want to give a quick shout out. And I know you're going to anyway, but I wanted I wanted to beat you to the punch here. Being tactical wisdom like I am. I want to give a shout out to the Nashville PD. Those guys, uh, they took the fight to the suspect and went at it. And I want everyone to look at that video and see how they did that. The one, when they get up to the stairwell and, and it was locked, he, the guy in charge, officer, was it Colazzo? He says, mm-hmm. someone else hold this. And he took off running because he was ready to get in the fight. And we need more people like that. And something else happened that I wanted to note for all the firearms trainer guys out there. When they opened that doorway, they noticed there was a wide open space in that upper atrium where they actually engaged him at. He shouted LVPO up 
That's a very smart tactical move. He wanted to get someone with a longer range sight into the fight first um, yeah. so that they can make a precise shot and deal with it. And uh, and they did. So well done. Yeah. yeah Everyone they, in New Baltimore should turn job. their badges in today. So, well, uh, <laughs> about that, um, the, the Uvalde Police Department, I have some insider knowledge on that that I don't necessarily share. Um, I have I have several friends in law enforcement in Texas um, and one in particular who is well connected to that situation. And there's a lot more. And, and, and I, I kind of I, I keep I keep a lot of that under my hat because I, I don't want to burn him for sure. Um, yeah. And I don't I don't want to shed more on that situation that I think would be harmful to the families um, because it, it would be. But, yeah, that it, it it's not just cowardice on their part. It, it, there was a large part of incompetence. Yeah. It was a large part nepotism. It was a large part of the the police chief who also was a town councilman um there, there was it, it it stinks the situation yeah. stinks um but when any i i don't want to get i don't want to get onto that track talking about nashville though you know i i don't think that that i'm going to add anything to the conversation about any of that that, that anybody else hasn't already thought or you know whatever so we're, we're taking the conversation in a different direction. We're taking it in a positive direction and one that is with purpose. So the conversation now has been shifted to predictably, um, you know, let's let's just completely ignore all the causal factors. Let's completely ignore the fact that this this person was a complete train wreck, a complete train wreck from top to bottom. Let's let's remove the fact that the quote unquote trans community that's out there, right? This trans community, right? Which is tied at the hip to Marxism. It's tied at the hip to communism. It's tied at the hip to hating America, hating conservative values. Now, now I know there's, there's a few people out there that I have a lot of respect for in, in our community. One of them is, is representative Mike Belcher. Who you know I'm personal friends with. I've had him on the show. It's been too long. I need to have him on the show again. I had him on when he was campaigning, and he, he brought up something very important. And I think that he is probably the most knowledgeable person on Marxism in politics today, easily. Uh, but maybe in the conservative sphere, I'm I'm very knowledgeable about Marxism as well, um, and and can can go very very deep into the ideology. But I think that he 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 surpasses my knowledge for sure. He grew up in it. So he understands. He understands the, the 10,000 foot view. And he brought up a very good point in response to Matt Walsh earlier today in that we don't necessarily need to create a group target with them. That would be a tactical error. However, it's, it's not that we don't want to call it out for what it is because we need to. All right. That, that can't be overlooked. But we also don't want to create a group target at the same time because it's a very fine line there. It's a very fine line. And so he he is uh, – one thing with him is that he he is so articulate in his points that a lot of times the larger point gets gets lost in translation. 
but I agree completely that you, you can't make a mass group target out of something because you end up hemorrhaging at least part of your own base when you do that. But with that said, it needs to be brought up first, just like we brought up in the last Sons of Liberty live show, just like we're going to be talking about tonight, just like I've talked about for many years of doing this podcast, past three years of doing this podcast, right? Is, is that we are in a low intensity conflict that is quickly escalating into a higher intensity conflict. We're entering a period of red terror that Spain had in the 1930s that led into the Spanish Civil War, right? We're in that period of, of revolutionary preparation, all right? I've told people to watch the Battle of Algiers over and over again. Absolutely. Because that, that is a training film for Marxist revolution. You will come away from that film understanding exactly what we are facing right now because we are there. Okay. We are there. We are literally in the first part of the movie right before the bombing of the Casper. Right. That's where we are right now. Okay. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, stop this podcast, stop what you're doing, freeze two hours of your life to watch a black and white film. That's French with subtitles because it will change your life and it will change your perspective. Okay. However, yeah, you can find it free on YouTube. I think it's probably on Rumble and Odyssey and Live Leak or, or Live Leaks no more. Uh, BitChute. You, you can find it all because it's in the public domain. All right. But here's, here's the point of this show. If you look at the response from the left, it has been absolutely disgusting. Their display of hubris, of mocking Christianity, of mocking conservatives, of victim blaming, absolutely zero regard for the, the victims themselves because they never do. Even the president, even the president, and of course we could, we, we could chalk this up partly to his mentally incapacitated state, right? But even the president begins his speech with a joke. Now, this is not just a message to the American people. This is a message to the world. As we've talked about on the Privy Council, we normally focus on uh, global policy, geopolitics on that show. And we've talked about how the, Ameri the, the American government is not leading the world. Right? They're not leading the world. Yeah. The rest of the world is seeing this as well. And they're seeing that this man doesn't lead from the front. He's making jokes about his own people being murdered. And and if you'll notice the language that has come out of every other corner of the world talking about the United States, why is it that they are constantly mocking one thing? One thing. And it's the transgender agenda. If for no other thing that they detract from the United States, it is that. Because that is the one thing in the entire world, no matter where what corner of the world you go to, they have absolutely no tolerance for it whatsoever. Very, very narrow parameters do they allow that, and they do not allow that apostasy to grow outside of its very narrow parameters. Thailand, I'm looking Are at you. Are you telling me that those millions we spent on Pakistani gender studies aren't actually helping? No. <laughs> I've seen that in person. You know, what bothered me the most was, was all of the trans activists who came out yesterday 
upset at the police and at major media organizations for dead naming and misgendering a homicidal maniac who was dead. Right. They weren't alive to be offended. So who cares? And I, I get you're going to be mad at me and I've already gotten a bunch of nasty direct messages for my commentary. Don't care. Don't, Don't care. care. Don't care. Nope. You know, it, it. here's the thing is the left obviously is cheerleading this person. Now you, you compare and contrast this incident with any other, right? Let's say Charlottesville. Charlottesville's a good one. Charlottesville's a good one. So, and, and it's a good one for a lot of reasons, right? So Charlottesville, right? You've got a display of right-wing ideology that is at least giving some sort of implicit statement of violence, right? There's some people on the left that, that would, you know, go absolutely batshit crazy about that. Say, oh, look, they're they're, you know, they're doing all the things. Then, then there's you know people on the right. They're like, ah, I mean, whatever. You want to stand around with tiki torches and knock yourself out? Like this, whatever. It's it's not that serious, right? It's only serious to the people who really, really wanted to find something. The whole thing, the whole thing was was a leftist op from the beginning. It, that's kind of my. Uh, take on it, just like a lot of these other things, just like Ray Epps and, and Patriot Front. Right? It, was, it was a government op in, in order to control the base, right? To, to make sure they had a blow off valve, but they, they were being set up, right? The whole whole thing in Charlottesville, they were being set up. And James Fields, when he was trying to get away, it was a UNC Chapel Hill professor, by the way, is a political science professor who was one of the cadre of Redneck Revolt, who was chasing him with an AR-15. That's a fact, and, and that's by his own admission, by the way. That's a fact that nobody wants to talk about. He was chasing him. He said he was going to kill him, right? So the guy's trying to get away from him. He drives into a crowd, and he made a mistake because he never, he that kid never should have been there, right? He never should have been there. That, that was just dumb. But, but, fat girl falls down, has a heart attack, dies. Okay, she didn't get hit by a car. He still gets charged with murder, right? He's in prison, okay? The left made such a big deal out of that, and they hit up Trump right, right after that. Oh, do you disavow? Do you disavow? you disavow Nazis? you disavow this? you disavow that? Yeah, oh, yeah, I disavow. I disavow. I disavow. I disavow. Right? They were hitting him with it. And then they used that talking point as a political piece, as a hit piece after that. In everything they did, everything like they defined people on both sides part, right? Same thing, right? Right. Here's the thing as I pointed out in The Last Sons of Liberty, the Minnesota Lieutenant Governor Peggy Flanagan wearing that, that shirt that she wore that implied violence or body language the flags that were behind her, the people who were behind her. And I ought to do a deep dive on them. I ought to get, I ought to spin up some of my tools that I have at my disposal and do a deep dive on them and figure out who they are. Because I promise you, they got, they got nice, juicy, checkered pass too. Yeah. And what conservatives sure. need to do now is they need to be pressuring her to resign. They need to be getting out there. They need, and I'm this. This is what needs to happen politically. 
in America. These are the rules that the left established for the rest of us, right? This is the pitched battle. This is the pitched battle that they created. And we need to get our heads in the game and fight it. This is how you fight it. You demand that she first resign and every one of these other political entities that are out there, you get them out of office prematurely. You put the pressure on them to get out and to resign. Because that's the game that they play. That's what they played here in North Carolina with Mark Robinson, our lieutenant governor, who is running for governor. And I'm going to do everything that I can to help him out because he's a great man. And he has the courage to stand up against this stuff. That was why they wanted him out. That's why they want him out. They want him gone. And he already knows that he doesn't care. Right. He's not backing down. from it. He calls them what it is. He's got that courage and that conviction to call it what it is. These people are domestic terrorists. And the language that needs to be used right now is that if you support that and you do not denounce that, you are supporting domestic terrorists. When they say that they're going to have a transgender day of rage, day of vengeance, the stuff that they're putting up, how they want to kill conservative babies, they want to kill Christian babies. That's the language that they're using, that they're putting out there. They're telling you the dogs are sitting there with their teeth showing and they're growling. They're telling you what they're getting prepared for. You have to yeah. fight this back. Now, you have to do it within the, the bounds of the law, right? But this is the game that they created. This is how you do it. You begin with them. You push them out of office wherever they are. You hound them. Next, you find the financiers. Every state, and I was told this, ironically, uh, after the last Sons of Liberty, I have a friend who is a fairly prominent lawyer in Tennessee, and he told me, every state's got a RICO statute. Every state has a RICO statute, and you can go after these organizations. They just don't because they're well-funded. But you can go after them if you want, and that might be a viable option going forward. Here we are. If... And here's the thing. This is where Jane Fonda comes into this. That statement that she made on The View about killing Christians, killing Christian conservatives. Right. Jane Fonda. Imagine that. Right. Surprise, surprise. Shocker. This is the precedent that was set forth for Alex Jones, a billion dollars. Right. Billion dollar lawsuit. Sue The View out of existence. You can't tell me that there's some CD lawyer out there that doesn't look at that billion dollar price tag and say, even if I get half of that, that's retirement money. This is how we fight yeah. it. What say y'all? Uh, I'm going to defer to Stan on this one. Everyone already knows my opinion on that shirt. Go ahead, Stan. Well, I, I, I think a couple things. Um, Those of you who've seen our shows or follow me on Twitter or whatever, you pretty well know uh, how I feel about this. I think we're on a collision course to to uh, uh, a return to arms in this in this country, and I won't get into why. And but I think I think we're on a glide path because I don't see how you reconcile the disparate uh, positions in the society at this particular point. So I've I've sort of fallen back to a a viewpoint that says, I recognize what 
is going on with this transgender movement and other aspects related to it without getting too terribly specific. I think you know it when you see it. And I, it's just, it's evil. It's the manifestation of evil. And, and we've normalized both evil and mental illness as having equal standing in our society. That's been the whole point of the left sort of dividing us up into different pieces and then trying to make them all have equal standing under, 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 under the law, under the rules, under the, the nature of this society. I don't think that can stand. And, and I, I'm really sort of um, moved by the fact that this was a Christian uh, school. And, and I'd like to respond in a Christian way. But in, but in my perspective, as it relates to this particular incident and anything like it, I'm going to pick my response out of the Old Testament, not the New. And, and I have sort of an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth approach to this that I think we're going to have to adopt as we move forward. And, and, and I don't necessarily mean that in the context of we go shoot if there were such a thing as a transgender school you don't go shoot up a transgender school but i think you bring the same energy to the fight that has been brought to us now for 30 years and and i really think that this gives you gives an, an organized and, and decent society the ability to break the back of this transgender movement if we do this correctly you and remember the I, untouchables yeah yeah, in the yeah. untouchables, Sean Connery gives a great speech. There he says they resist you. You put them in the hospital. They put one of yours in the hospital. You put one of theirs in a morgue. And uh, <laughs> uh, I hate to say it, but that's kind of where we are. And you know, you mentioned going to the Old Testament. I'm going to take mine from the Apocrypha. A lot of you guys don't know what that is. It's a it's a, it's a book of extra books of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And in in Second Maccabees, uh, the Romans kill a whole town of Jews, and Judas Maccabee gets out that sword, and he goes and decides, okay. You killed the whole town of mine. I'm going to go kill the whole town of yours. Um, it's sad, but that is honestly the the path we're on right now. If if nothing changes, that is the path we're on. And there's going to be a tit for tat back and forth escalation. Uh, it's no accident that a, that a Christian church was targeted. Uh, on our CFC show on Monday, before anyone knew the name or identity of the attacker or anything like that, I called it when I said, listen, it's going to turn out to be someone who has been told their whole life that the Christians are trying to kill them or oppress them. And guess what? It turned out to be 100% right. Um, the, all of the anti-Christian rhetoric comes out here. The lieutenant governor in her shirt, protect trans kids with a K-bar on it. That comes out right here. Jane right. Fonda, kill Christians. The, the yep. Murder actually was the word she used, not kill, murder. There's a difference. Uh, yep. And uh, it's just, it's ridiculous. So, yeah, it, it's the the language that they're using, and they're not backing off of it. This is the point that I'm saying. They, they're not backing off of it, right? Yeah. It was it was easy to back away from certain things on the right. You know, it, it's easy. Uh, you know, it's because there are fringe characters. There are people that do not represent the whole. Okay, it's it's the the left uses a very uh, cartoonish caricature of the right because you have to understand their Marxist patriot front. (laughs) Right. Well, yeah, that's that's one good one. But the um, the 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 left 
uses the idea fundamentally, and this is where their idea of fascism comes from. You know, when we think of fascism on the right, we think of um, authoritarian regime that crushes any dissent, that does never, uh, never relinquishes control, uh, you know, nationalizes all the industry, so on and so forth. Right. And that's that's not incorrect. That's that's that would be factually correct in, in many, uh, many cases. Uh, with with a few exceptions, the left categorizes fascism as any reactionary who opposes the revolution. That is critically important. Yeah, that yeah. is something that conservatives in America do not understand. And so, when they say antifa, right, or anti-fascistin, which is where it comes from originally. And we're faced now with Antifa 2.0. This is what I was talking about on that live show. I literally talked for an entire hour on the roots of Antifa, Antifa 2.0, where this is now, that how Ukraine fits into it. That that it, it but I, and I'm not going to dive back into it. Just listen to that show, right? But we're seeing that now. We're seeing the genesis of it now, the fruits of that now, the fruits of this ideology now that are coming to bear. Right. You know, I want to make a prediction on this, that you're 100 percent right. Uh, if you look at the way in which uh, this young lady, sorry, young lady uh, was dressed. Right, it was sorry. I call it image. it. That's yeah. it. You, you, yeah. You're not you're so, devoid. If you don't want to be it, like, look, you were born with one part or the other part. It, it's no like <laughs> uh, it, it, look, 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 that, that's just. You know, I had to sit and I had to bite my tongue many a time listening to these unhinged gen fucking gender studies, quote unquote, people shit is made up. Okay, it's all made up. Their entire their entire science, quote unquote, is all pseudoscience. It's not based on anything. If you read their stuff, it's nothing but a bunch of glorified op-eds written by communists. All right. The, one of the the last uh one of the last presidents of the American Sociological Association was an unhinged intersectional feminist who believed that the path for society going forward would be a complete separation of males and females, right? A complete segregation. We don't interact with one another. Is, these people days. are completely there unhinged. Are well, well yeah, yeah, there are days. I mean, there are days. But, yeah. but this is, the, 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 I mean, completely unhinged. They're completely unhinged from reality. And what they say, when, when they say, oh, the science, the science, the, oh, it's science, the science. These are the same people that told you to wear a fucking mask. Is there a right? These are the same people that, that fly Ukrainian flags, even though they probably can't point to it on a map. They have no idea, right? They have no idea. It, it, completely ignorant. They get their geopolitics from NPR, right? If, they, you know, if, if they're not getting it from young Turks, the younger ones are probably getting it from the young Turks, but that, that that's the whole thing. They say, oh, oh, but the intersexed, right? The intersexed. This is what they say. Oh, the intersexed. So you're talking about that less, less than 0.05% that are born as hermaphrodites, right? So yeah. that, that right there is the, the lone actual scientific statistic that they point to as a justification for the erasure 
of the social structures that form the basis of human interaction for the entirety of humanity's existence. Right. And they have a 90% suicide rate. But right. um, the point that I was going to make was that uh, she was wearing a red hat. She's wearing camouflage pants that were obviously a foot or two too long for her. So they're obviously yeah. bought in a hurry. If you notice the tactical vest she had on still had the tags attached to it. And she used blue painter's tape to shorten up her sling and shorten up all of her gear so that it would fit. These are not indicative of someone who who was trained, right? These are indicative of someone who's trying to create an impression. And I guarantee you, this is the Joe Stradamus prediction. If they ever let us see the manifesto, it's yet another copy pasta of the Christchurch one where I'm doing this attack to show you why we need gun control. Uh, that That is, you know what? I'm that's telling you that's one. the case. That's why they haven't showed it to you. They've showed you everything else except the manifesto. Man. Yeah. 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 That's... That's why the red hat. Mm, mm, mm. That that's a hell of a point. Yeah. I hadn't I hadn't thought about that. I had well, not thought I've, about I've watched that. that video a few times and it just became so apparent. I, mean, I know a bunch of people tried to say, oh look, it's an Antifa, or I mean not an Antifa, an Azov sleeper cell, and I was like, nah, that's nonsense. But they zoomed in on the clothes so much in that that I was able to pick out these pieces. And I'm like, nah, this is this is something I, you're going to find. It's tied to that other event and tied to the other two shootings just like it that used the yep. same manifesto and were committed by trans people. They yep. want you to forget that, but it's true. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, Illinois, that, so, yeah, yeah. That's a hell of a point, man. That's a hell of a point, and and you know, uh. But going back to the point that I was making was that these these are people who are misfits in society, right? The misfits in society, they have this, the, the left has this very cartoonish view of the right where, you know, anything anything that adheres to tradition, much like the Vendonais post-French Revolution, anything that adheres to tradition is thus apostate and needs to be killed off. Right? It's not worthy of life. We have to completely erase that which was to make way for that which is new. This, this is the, the doctrine of the Jacobins, this is the doctrine of the Hegelians, uh, which the Jacobins uh, begat the Hegelians. Hegelians, of course, begat the communists, as well as the anarchists. They're, they're the same ideological tree, uh, if you will. And, and we're going to be talking about that too, the, the ideological tree, how it's it's kind of branched off to the right and um, kind of diving into that because that's rearing its ugly head now too. And this is something that, that I wanted to dive into um, in talking about, you know, th this is something I, I was having this discussion earlier today that we're kind of entering a time where Conservative Americans have been fed, have also been fed this very cartoonish view of the world in that we think that everybody, all, all humans think exactly like we do and that every culture is based on this, uh, you know, John Locke, uh, this, this idea that, you know, fraternity and, 
and love for one another and your fellow man and all this stuff. You know, and, and a lot of people that have spent time outside the United States, outside of Europe, specifically outside of Europe, know that this is not so. Uh, that, that the, the thinking of, of the human and, and culture and, and the, the, the mind, the cultural mind of cultures outside of the, the Western sphere of, of influence and thinking and philosophy is very, very different. How many uh, transgenders did you run into in Afghanistan? Zero. That's yeah, what I thought. There was some, there <laughs> well, was certainly Matt, some... Matt, you you make a good point. I mean, I, I think you know I've been most places on the planet over the last mm-hmm. several years. And, and I think the thing that really comes as a shock for most Americans is that for the majority of the populated planet, life is still a zero-sum game. Um <laughs> And there's no two plus two equals more than four, which is sort of a basis of belief as it relates to American democracy, that if we all pull together and we all, it's a win-win scenario. The concept of a win-win scenario doesn't exist most places on the planet. Yeah. So if I win, somebody has to lose. And, and that's, the, that's the didactic, if you will, that most people see their existence through. And, and to an extent that that's manifested in this philosophy that we're up against, and that is they want to win. And by, ex- by definition, that means we have to lose. Right. And, and, and I think there, there's step one in this process is we have to turn that methodology back on themselves. And, and you have to be able to take the, the, the various stances politically and economically and and in other in other factions to make sure that they know that there's a price that's paid for the shit that they pull to be technical right. for a minute, um, and 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 you have to extract that price, and don't act surprised when 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 it happens. You have you have to be able to make them pay a price, and that means a proactive response, that means a coordinated response, and and the thing I worry about is that. A goodly portion of the of the coalition that makes up the right is not terribly good at that stuff, right? Because because they at, at their at at their heart they believe in win win scenarios or they believe in you know we can we can find common ground. Well, there is no common ground with our adversaries. And what every time we the, give them an inch, they take a mile. Uh, yeah, you're absolutely and, right. And and so I I think you have to set that aside. You can apply that to people who are closer to you on the political or the value spectrum. But as it relates to our opponents today, we win when they lose. And that's right. the way you have to view it. The The fundamental flaw that they have right now and, and the point of exploitation, because everything that I look at is through points of exploitation. And uh, something that Carl Bennett said on the last Privy Council and a quote that that I am using, and and I have stolen from him. Of course, I, I'm going to attribute it to him. Um, it is going into Gorilla Dispatch Volume Three. There's going to be there's going to be a banger of an intro article to that one. Uh, volume Two's got a banger of one too, so I, I can't wait for people to read it uh, because it's it's about the battle for the, the middle class and and where the middle class is, and it kind of gives a, a long term sociological perspective on where 
where historically what what the middle class is, um, where it falls into the hierarchy, where it actually falls into the hierarchy. And I give a very uh, conflict theory Gramscian view of of the lumpen proletariat in, in the middle and why there is such a battle to erase it. Um, and, and I think that it's, it's a perspective in that article that, that um, I haven't seen anybody on the right give as of yet. And so I'm really excited to, to uh, get that out there uh, for people to read it. And, and there's a lot of, I mean, there, there's uh, almost 300 pages of just uh, good content, solid stuff that, that's going into it. It's not a sales pitch for the book. I'm just putting it out there because I get really excited about it. But uh, Colonel Bennett's quote, you know, th there's, there's nothing tactical. It's all strategic. And this is, that that is such a profound quote to me that that type of thinking because tactical thinking is reactive right we're reacting to something it has to be proactive and their point of exploitation i look at everything in terms of points of exploitation i learned it a long time ago when you are trying to let's say you know i'm planning an ambush okay well you know Linear, L-shape, the ambush, whatever. Like, you know, there's there's some factors that go into the planning phase of that, right? Your your target is is obviously the biggest one. But the point of exploitation, how do you beat how do you bait them in? Right? How do you do that? How do you get them into that ambush? Because it's been said in insurgencies and domestic conflicts, right? We've we've all heard this. Whoever fires the first shot loses. Right? We, of course, we've heard that. And I don't know how much validity that statement actually has, but we, we've all heard that. So let's let's say that. All right, let's say that's correct. Whoever fires the first shot. So if, if this is the first salvo, right? I, I would argue that the first salvo was fired some time back. But if this is the first salvo, right? They're walking into that ambush. They've been baited in. Their point of exploitations are politicians, which have granted them the overhead cover, which have accepted the federal funds. And right now, who is controlling the purse on all that? Now, I know it's a pipe dream. It is. It is. But it has to start somewhere. And the way that we do that is we apply that political pressure to those politicians who we know are the weak links in the chain, Peggy Flanagan being the first one. She's the most obvious. It's the she is the easiest one to go after. Just looking at all of them, the California machine is too deeply entrenched. They've got CCP money that's keeping them in power. Flanagan probably does too, but they could afford to lose her. Right? She's an expendable character politically. You go after her, you get some real pressure on her, you you will step down. Other leftist politicians are going to look at that and say, oh, maybe we ought to soften on this a little bit. And then, then the talking points become, see, maybe, maybe you should be a little more moderate. Maybe you should come to the center a little bit, right? This is the same game that left, the institutional left has played with the right. And, and you go for that. This It's political warfare, and it's a political game, and it's also law warfare. We, we I'm telling you, 
There is a lawyer out there right now that is at least thinking about going after the view in the production company that puts the view on. They need to be. If if they're not, I hope I hope they are now. I know a few that that would love the opportunity. Yeah, I, I um, hope they um I hope they shame her in an apology like they've done for everyone on the right. And so I think you're right. You start with that lieutenant governor, and then you move on to every political figure who jumped onto the don't misgender the dead murderer bandwagon because their focus is entirely on the wrong person. We had three dead kids Monday and they wanted to talk about the pronouns of the killer. That's absolutely ludicrous. And and those people need to be gone. 100%. Sue them out of existence. Sue them out of existence. That's how that that's now there's, there's a lot that goes into that. And obviously it's a lot easier said than done. Well, but the that's left is very right. good at lawfare, right? We just have to get good at it too. We can be. We they, there's been a lot of great strides that have been made in that. Uh, there's there's there have been many strides that have been made on the right that have gotten much better at that. The left, the left was able to capture that institution early on, or at least gain enough influence in it early on, but that's changing. Uh, that is changing, and it's going to continue to change. And and the, you know there needs to be academic reform too. Uh, I think a, a lot of people, a lot of people on the right, you know, we we talk about COVID on the left too. I mean, we, we socially in America and probably the world as well, we talk about COVID in, in a negative term, but it was also a very good thing. It woke a whole lot of people up. It woke a whole lot of people up. And, and there were a lot of people who were previously, I wouldn't say that they were liberal. I wouldn't say they were leftists. They were, they were probably classical liberal to, you know, kind of the left side of the spectrum, center left types, uh, you know, Subaru drivers. Um, Subaru, always a Subaru. Yeah. A certain type of Subaru driver. Right. Um, But a lot of them have woke up. And they've said, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Because you, you got to think, who was the largest population in terms of education level? Who was the largest population that refused the vaccine? Who might know? African Americans. That, that would be racial demographic, but mm-hmm. education demographic. Oh. The largest some- population that refused it. College educated? PhDs. Mm. PhDs. Look that up. Look that up. That was the largest population that respectfully declined. Critical uh, thinking the, skills uh, are important. <laughs> well, you know, and, and that's not to say that they, they didn't in mass because, you know, obviously some of them did. But a, as far as person to person, the that demographic of if you broke down society in terms of education level, that demographic had the highest percentage of vaccine refusals. And in turn, non-high school grads also had, they had the second highest. You know, what's great about the the COVID thing is I use it as 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 the club to explain to people things. When they tell me that can't happen here, oh, that'll never happen here. I'll, I say, if, if three and a half, four years ago, I came to you and said, they're going to order you to stay home from work and tell you, you have to have a valid reason to be outside of your home. 
would you have called me crazy? Well, yes, but okay. Well, it can happen here, and it did. Big well, point. why are we? Why is America? And this is something that I ask. It's a good segue into uh, me dumping on the libertarians. Um, why is America? Why is Western society absolved somehow from every other civilization in history? Why, why, why did we somehow beat the pitfall of every other civilization? We're special. Why? Because Mr. Rogers said so? Like, No. It's exactly right. Um, as Stan uh, points out regularly, oh, it's the Constitution. Well, it's a nice piece of paper. Uh-huh. <laughs> we haven't been following the Constitution since Marbury versus Madison. That's, you know, and, and that was in the time of the framers. That was, that, you know, that's, so it would be, and a lot of, uh, a lot of conservatives on the, the uh, activist right get really upset whenever you bring that up. But I got my constitution, read it. So, um, a letter of Mark is perfectly constitutional. And there was a real conversation among leftist politicians of utilizing a letter of Mark on the right in case you missed that. And it wasn't that long ago. Okay. It was not that long ago. They were talking about issuing a letter of Mark after January 6th. And it's, that is in the constitution, by the way, it's in there. It is a congressional power issued letters of Mark and reprisals. Some of us recognize that and, um, and are, one day we'll be taking advantage of it, I think. So but, uh, that's right. There's a there's a whole different look. I, I think you know we we've been a nation that has been a rule of uh, the embrace the rule of law, right? And so I, I think what we've had in many instances is the rule of law has been turned against us in 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 a lot of different ways, and this is again where the guild of lawyers has now become the priesthood of the left, right? Uh, mm-hmm. and, and so, and so I think you have to be able to sort of begin to claw back and we've done that. We did that at the Supreme court level. We've done it, uh, at some of the federal, uh, judgeships during Trump. I mean, the, the one thing you can say about what Trump did and, and, and I grudgingly have to give McConnell credit for this as well, was the number of federal appointments to the bench that they were able to push through almost machine-like in that four-year period. Excuse me. And that gives me some level of hope in terms of adjudicating the things that we're going to have to adjudicate in order to have any chance of holding this thing together. But I think I think I think the left has given the right. You know, if 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 you were exercised about covid and you should be and you were exercised about what you discovered about what was going on at your school board prior to COVID and during COVID, how can you not be exercised at the wave of both pedophilia and transgender mental illness that has washed over this country in the last several years? And, and I think you have to go back. And I think one is an, is, is, is apostate. Okay. The, the pedophilia thing. The other is, pure mental illness. And, and I define that by saying 
you know, there's there's two genders, guys. There's only two. Now, if you go to the most recent version of the ATF's uh, handgun or uh, uh, firearms transition uh, transfer form, forty four seventy three, yeah. <clears throat> and, and and I hadn't looked at one of those in a while, um, but I went back and looked at it today when I was thinking about this. And under the under the category sex now on the forty four seventy three, there are now three boxes. Male, female, non-binary. You should be disqualified if you click number three. If I check the box that says I was a convicted felon, you're disqualified. If you check the box that says you're non-binary, you are mentally ill. And you should be denied the right to own a firearm. Yep. It's it's just no more, you know, we talk about when does life occur on the on the on the abortion side. For me, it's very simple. I went to medical school. I hated it, but I took one thing away from it. I know when life begins. Okay. It begins at conception. Everything that flows downhill from that is bullshit. And so if you take these factually correct, but relatively simple concepts and you make them sort of the suit of armor that you wear into these conversations, it's really hard to be moved uh, off, off your point. And, and there has to be an effort that matches the energy of the left that says, no, I'm sorry. And, and, and this is important. Here's where the Christian values come to the forefront. It's not, I hate you because you're trans. I feel sorry for you because you're a trans. And we're going to try to get you some help. Now, yes. that, that, doesn't mean, that doesn't mean we're going to cut your breasts off or your, other, or your twigs and berries off, depending on which team you want to pick doesn't mean that at all because you're not helping anybody you're pushing them on the road to suicide by doing that because eventually the biology comes to the forefront and 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 it can't cope with what's been done to it okay and so we have to embrace the concept that says i'm i'm sorry you 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 were dealt a bad hand we're going to do what we can do to make your life as comfortable as, as as we can make it but you, you've got a mental illness and we're going to take care of you. But I'm also sorry, just like if you're a convicted felon or you've been other aspects, you don't get to own a gun in this society. No. And I think no. you have to drive that point home. Now, people, the, the sort of, the sort of laissez-faire Second Amendment folks will yell at me about that and say, well, they're just going to turn that around. Okay? No. It's, it's, it's linear. It's, it's linear biology. Two X's, X and a Y. If you look between your legs and you're confused, I'm sorry. You're mentally ill. You don't get to own a gun. And if you have one, we're going to come get it. Because you've been a, you've been medically adjudicated to be mentally ill in that context. And, and, and we just have to push that as the agenda. That, and you have to make every politician who's making an excuse for these people at this point, as you said, pay a price you have right. to turn that bright white spotlight on them and make them pay a price unless they disavow you know as much as i hate that form there's another box on there we need to be using a lot more do you or have you ever advocated the violent th overthrow of the government of the united states and all of these John Brown gun, gun Club, Socialist Rifle Association, Party oh. for Socialist Liberation, every last one of them has lied on that question 
and is ineligible to possess a firearm, even if they bought it before they had those thoughts. Now they have to turn it in. Uh, I, I think How about that, we make an example of Hunter Biden? He's got the most infamous no. 4473 I can yeah. think of at this point. And we ought to make an example of him in the context of saying, you check the wrong box and you knowingly check the wrong box, there's a price to be paid. Right. Yeah. Or they walk up to these these guys, the Socialist Rifle Association or PSL guys, who are standing outside these drag queen events with a rifle, listen to them for 30 seconds when they tell you they want a violent overthrow of the U.S., and then immediately arrest them for possessing a firearm uh, while doing that. That's a real insurrection. Not this guided yeah. tour nonsense led by undercover agents. Phony. It's, it's all phony. It's all phony. You know, it, it, it's so. I know now. Now that we we dove into the topic, we were, you know, I'm sure I, I'm going to get plenty of hate. You know, oh, but you know, whatever, whatever, uh, you know, hoops. These quote unquote legal experts that'll tell me about admiralty flags and shit. Uh, you know. I, <laughs> Oh, that court has an admiralty flag, so I'm a sovereign. Like, okay, define sovereign. Can you define sovereign to me? What is a sovereign? Like, it's it, it's fairly simple, right? It's 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 legal philosophy. It's it's three hundred level philosophy here, uh, defining what a sovereign is. It's not an if the sovereign right. citizens were right, they wouldn't lose in court every well, single it, time. It, but yeah, but if 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 they were right, they wouldn't all drive 1997 fucking. Chevy Cavaliers, either like, with no license plate. <laughs> yeah, like no, I'm sorry, I I, I'm not going to take him seriously. Got caught. He was so into that movement that he was driving with no license plate. Dummy. If, if if like look with the sovereign citizen thing, if if that's not how you gain influence, you're, you're not going to change what is the, the power structure is what is. Right, this, this is what gets me. It's like all right, I hear you. I like you, you know, like your, your heart's in, it's, it's one of those bless your heart moments, right? Bless your heart. Um, <laughs> your heart's in the right place, right? You're not winning any friends anywhere because you're not that. That's not how things work. Okay. Yeah. And, and this is one of those things like you, you find the guys, the, the, the anarchy crowd, right? Oh, anarchy, anarchy. Anarchy is a left-wing ideology in, in totes. I don't care. Don't give a shit. Anybody that wants to email me that, you know, some sort of fucking hoop that they're going to jump through, don't bother. I ain't even going to answer it. I ain't even going to field it. Erase it because you're fucking wrong. All right. Don't care. Anarchy doesn't exist on the right. And here's, here's the thing. Here's the fundamental thing. First of all, I haven't met anybody on the right, quote unquote, on the right, that claims to be an anarchist that can define what anarchy is. None of them. Not a single person. Not a single one, not a single one. And I have talked in person with some of the, the more notable, quote unquote, thought people behind this, right? Who I, I'm going to decline to name, but they're, they're there, right? I've talked with some of them. And just casual conversation. They, they First of all, they can't have a casual conversation without resorting to hostility. That, that's the first thing. It's like, well, I just asked you to justify your point. You can't without getting angry. So there's no difference between you and a leftist. That's number one. Okay. But number two, anarchy and libertarianism too. And, and I say this as a libertarian, um, as a member of, of 
that thought group, right? Which is, it, it, it's a reflection of Western ideology, perfection of Western ideology, right? I say that as, as a uh, somewhat of a Jeffersonian, uh, he had some ideological pitfalls, um, but it, as someone who believes in the rights of man before the Leviathan, before the collective, right, before the collective good, because Jefferson understood the pitfalls of the French Revolution, right? But in saying that, in saying that, the problem with anarchy is, is that there are no rules with anarchy. Anarchy means the absence of any sort of uh, overarching authority in any form. And so because That's they can't... Anarcho-capitalism fails, right? Right. It, it, there's no such thing. It's, it's nonsense. Yeah. If they, they say, you know, when, when, and I've been told that the ANCAPs, like, oh, but, 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 but ANCAP, this ain't, and like, have you ever read Murray Bookchin? Guys, well, and, and the, the end state of anarchy are hunter-gatherers who eat what they kill. That's it. That's as good as it gets. Yes. I mean, there, there's the anarchy, um, the anarchy sort of utopia is you, you eat what you kill. And, and because there is nothing else that will support the construction of a society with any longevity whatsoever. So it's a false, it's a false ideology. It's a false idol. Yes. I and mean, it's, it's, that... it's what lo it's what losers in their basement cling to because they think it makes them sound erudite. No, we're anarchists. Right. Yes. Yes. I, I would argue that it doesn't even create hunter-gatherers. And here's why. So going back to philosophy of law, right? A little, little legal philosophy. Uh, legal philosophers always, uh, in, in when they're conducting lectures in the course, usually um, if they've been doing it for a while, they always begin the semester with a question to the students. And the question will always center around what is law? We need to define what law is, right? And so in sociology, the way that we approach such a question is through Weber and what is authority? Because law is a reflection of authority, some sort of authority. And so we need to define the source of such authority, right? And so when, when we devolve into simplistic arguments of, among people who are mental midgets of, oh, you're an authoritarian. No, everything is an authoritarian. Okay. It's not, all right. That, that's a non-argument. Something has authority over you. Okay. You have authority, but how do you have that? How does that manifest? Right. Something has authority. Right. And, and, it's, it's, it's nonsense. It's a nonsense argument. So in, in the philosophy courses, when, when the philosophy of law begins, the question is always framed, what is law, right? And usually the example will be given as a thought experiment of, of one society or another. One of the more common ones out there is the newer, the newer tribe, right? So they were a tribe in Africa that uh, the British discovered. And they were kind of unique in that they did not have any sort of uh, written or codified law, but they had very few transgressions. Very, very few. They, they almost had no sort of apostasy among their tribe. They were very, very functional. Um, 
you know, it seemed seemed to be at least from the the uh, proto anthropologists that were studying them that they had no sort of deviancy, and so this was very significant because it, it was rare. But they had no written law, right? They had no written codified uh, structure. So how is it that they have such a well-functioning society, but with no written rules, no written law? Do they have law? And so that's the fundamental question. And it kind of gets the students started in conversation, right? Do they have a law? Do they have law? The answer is both yes and no, depending on your perspective. Because according to certain philosophers, law must be written because it must be promulgated. But at the same time, if you fast forward a bit to H.L.A. Hart in the modern era, is rule of recognition. Right, The rule of recognition is a very powerful tool. It's a very powerful tool for sociology as well. Because we look at that as, okay, if we all are on the same page socially, if we all hold the same values, you may have a different perspective on something than I do. But at the end of the day, we recognize that we are all American. We are all part of the same, at least overarching collective, and that we believe in the same in-state. And so there is a mutual respect. And so when, when HLA Hart applied the rule of recognition to understanding how law is defined, a law would be absurd and invalid on its face if it violated the basic rule of recognition for a society. If a society looked at that and said, no, that's stupid, we're not going to do it, right? If I said that, you know, tomorrow everybody in America has to wear a red shirt or else it's illegal, that would be done. Nobody would follow it because that's an absurd law. It's stupid. How can you even enforce it? Right? You, you can't. This is the problem with libertarianism, is that it assumes HLA Hart's rule of recognition is universal. It's not. It's not. And what we have approached now is a time in America where we have a segment of society, and a very large one, by the way. The transgenders are, are simply one of the militant aspects to this, to the apostasy. But we have an, an entire segment of society that is apostate is is a complete apostate to what conservatives hold as being truthful as being just as being moral right these are all things that we no longer have because the the left has worked very diligently to break down those institutions they've been indoctrinated to believe that those institutions are inherently corrupt and so now we have an entire segment of civilization, of Western civilization, because this, is, this applies to Europe as well, very much applies to Europe, where we have an entire segment of the population that not only rejects our rule of recognition on that which makes us thus, but spits in the face of it and works very diligently against it. And so for that reason, the libertarians, the quote-unquote anarchy on the right, which there is no such thing. It's a childish, it, it's a teenager argument of, oh, you can't tell me what to do. Yeah, yeah, I can. Um, yeah, I absolutely can. Um, yes, 
I, I can. And if you've ever been outside of the United States, you know that, that such a, a anarchy, quote unquote, system does not work. It can't. But that's where we are. And this is the thing that I've seen in the past 24 hours that I think has disturbed me the most. I knew that the left, the left was going to act like the left. It, that didn't surprise me. Does it anger me? Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I knew they were going to do what they were going to do. Right. The Krasensteins of the world, and the, you know, some of the other dirtbags out there that, that are just the rabble rousers, the, you know, the young Turks and all of that. Right. They're going to do what they're going to do. OK. Do not waste your, your time on them. However, to the folks who say, well, but. But I'm not going to support the veteran because if you ban the veteran, they're going to use it. Yeah. Yeah. Guess what? Yeah, it will. They've already done it. it. They've already, they've already done it. Exactly. Yeah. That, that's exactly what I was going to. That's the point I was going to make. They've already done it. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Okay. So you, you need to have the moral fortitude right now. Yeah. Moral fortitude right now to call a spade a spade. And quit, quit monkeying around, call it what it is, call evil what it is, and let's stop with the nonsense and recognize that there's a segment of society that's armed and getting better trained, by the way, that is openly saying they want to kill you. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of done with the, well, but, you know, I... I disagree with what you're saying, but I agree with your right to say it now. No, actually, no. No, no, we're past that. I don't I, I don't agree with your right to, to be caustic to society. I, I no longer agree with that. You do not have a right to be caustic to our society, and you do not have a right to threaten me and mine, because I, some of us, quite frankly, are a lot better at violence. Do, don't push that. Do not push that. And you're pushing it. The, the left is pushing it. So, so now that sovereignty is an option. What's, what's that? Micro sovereignty, establishing uh, your own small nation within uh, a greater nation. That's a really cool Man. idea. <laughs> yeah, I know a guy. <laughs> I know. I know a guy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I'm going to see that guy. Ask Armenia how that's going to work. Well, uh, but, but those those issues those issues are peculiar to Armenia. I I I don't think that uh, I don't think that there's a um, yeah. I, I I think we're I think the centrifugal force that is at play within this country is going to win, um, and and that that is not insurrection. There was no insurrection that broke up the Soviet Union. It just fell apart. Right. And and right, I think right. that I think that's the path we're on is that there there will be now having said that, you know, everybody there there's a lot of people that I know who think somewhat like I do who are banking on the fact that that I just want to be left alone. The left will leave me alone. Once once that happens, the left will leave me alone. Sorry, that's wrong. Never. That's not going to that's not going to happen either. And so um, you're going to have to be able to make your case in a variety of different ways. 
uh, as it relates to exercising your freedom in the absence of what's been an overarching federal system at some point in the in the future. And and um, I think that's important. In the meantime, in order to preserve that ability to act on that opportunity, we have got to push back on on the left and define what is out of bounds to them in the construct of what they're going to come after and turn their methodology back on them as it relates to these things that we've identified on the show today. Um, I, I think the transgender pieces, uh, they've, and I hate to say it this way, I, I could probably, if I thought about it for a little while, I could probably be more eloquent, but I'm not going to do that. These six people who have been martyred in some ways to, to those of us who are willing to pick this up and put it to use, it's a gift. And, and, and shame on us if we don't honor their sacrifice by taking that gift and using it in order to, to preserve what we were endowed with by our creator. And, and I think that's really the takeaway that I have from this um, is that, is that, and, and, and this is not new. If you look at the last four or five mass shootings, they've all been trans executed. Yes. Right. So, so yep. this is, this one has been caught on more videotape. The, 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 um, the, uh, the uh, body cam uh, video made it out quickly uh, this time around. Um, and, and so people have seen it and, and I think it's gotten more play to it. And I think the notion that this is a transgender person, she was obviously so transgender that, it, that it's impossible to hide it. Um, and, and so I think, I think that's played a role in, in, in the recognition. But I think the last four have all been transgender um, crimes in, in that regard. Yeah. So, you know, there's, there's a theory that you can boil a frog to death by putting him in a pot of water and raising the temperature slowly, right? It's true. I've, I've seen it done. Uh, and that's kind of where we are. We're being boiled one degree at a time. And and we're going to have to take up the response that says you're not going to boil us to death in this instance. And we're going to we're going to stand up for what we believe. And and those of you who are ill, we're going to take care of you. And those of you who are wrong, we're going to take care of you um, and 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 approach it on that basis. Otherwise, you know, you're going to be living in a hellhole. Uh, unfortunately, I think a lot of people are. It, it's it, we, we're there, and, and well, <laughs> backing up just a bit because uh, uh, next on the list. Now that I've I've, I've pissed off all the libertarians, I know as soon as this goes live, I, I can I can almost name off four people that are going to email me. Uh, for yeah, maybe a fifth one is going to email me overnight. I I already know. I already know. You said what? Yeah, I did. I did. Um, because it needed to be said. Uh, it needed to be said. But the, the where we're going here, you know, next on the list, of course, the future domestic policy. Um, because in, in light of this, these events, unfortunately, they do shape domestic policy. We need to talk about it. One of the things that's already been broached was the idea of, uh, of, of micro-sovereigns. Uh, or regional sovereigns, and and kind of the the, uh, for lack of a better term, balkanization, uh, secession, 
uh, assertion of the Tenth Amendment, which uh, has it has uh, it's probably the the most overlooked of the Bill of Rights. Of course, I mean the federal government since 1865 has figured out how to trample on all of the amendments. Uh, you know, so. Uh, they, they've done a pretty bang-up job of it in the past 20 years, especially. But uh, the Tenth Amendment, that's the one that, that I think really needs to start getting a hard look again. because it, And it goes with that political pressure of, look, get, get these people, get these unhinged leftists out of office. But at the same time, this is something that I wanted to broach in this episode, is the fact that when you look geographically at any nation in the world that's ever had dominion over another, right? Over a region that's been able to spread outside its own original borders or the idea of borders because, you know, borders, borders are a thing, even though our Southern one is pretty non-existent. I hear that the Northern one is pretty, pretty uh, up for grabs right now too. But, um, you know, borders, borders are a thing, right? They are a thing. And any any nation that has moved outside of its own borders into other regions, right? Because this this is the way of tribes, right? This is how the, the entirety of human history has been written by those those tribes that have given way to nations, nation states which have given way to empires. Right. This is this, you know, the fate of empires, uh, so on and so forth. Right. So every every nation that has, if you look at the nations that have had the the largest continuous ports, right, warm water ports, they've always fared the best. Right. When when you're talking offensive warfare and how they have expanded their borders. You know, the Spanish did very well. The British did very well. The French did very well. The Belgians, mm, you know, Germans, not, not real well uh, inside Europe, but, but kind of outside that, right. The Romans, if, if you want to go in, into the Renaissance era, of course, colonial era, uh, the Romans before them, you know, the, the Grecians before that, you, you have to have those warm water ports. Right. So when we look at the potential for balkanization in the United States, there is one region that has a culture. There is one region that has its own unique history. And no matter how much they try to kill it, this is why the the tearing down of the statues was such a thing, because they want to murder the culture of the South, the southeastern United States. I'm going to say something that, you know, take it, take it for what it is. So, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go on. I'm grinning ear to ear right now. Y'all can see it. The Northeast and the Western states, California, Oregon, and Washington, we'll say far Western Washington. You're, you are client states of the Southeast. That's a fact. It's an economic fact, all right? It is, it is indisputable, and we don't need you, okay? When, when the Southeast decides finally to have that real conversation about the 10th Amendment and shrugs that off and says, you know what? 
it, it, that's it. If you look at where this nonsense is emanating from, right? The things that we're talking, where where is the where where has the cultural rot emanated from? Right? Where where does it come from? And yeah, I know HB2, the bathroom bill here in North Carolina. I know, I, I believe me, I know better than most the whole history behind all that. I know where it came from. And the person who brought that about was a gender studies professor who became the mayor of Charlotte, by the way. She wasn't from North Carolina originally. Big shock, right? Big shock. These are all people that have relocated to the Southeast. And they hate it, by the way. They absolutely hate it. And they remind you of it every time you interact with them. They don't, they don't like the South, but they're here. They want to change it. But they want to change it. They want to change the culture. They want to change everything about it. We don't need them. When you look at the continuous warm water coastline that we have, when you look at the hubs for technology that we have, when you look at the economy that we have, I mean, look look at what we produce. Look at what we have the capacity to produce. This 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 is. Uh, I think that in the event this this uh, glorified Civil War II that the left this narrative that they are pushing, hey, you know, come out on top of this because we will, we will. Uh, but, you know, this isn't this isn't the politics of 1861 for sure. When we come out on top of this, because it's it the roles are very much reversed. Uh, economically, you know, you, you're going to see an economic powerhouse in the world, on the world stage, that's going to emerge out of that. What say y'all? I I agree wholeheartedly on that. <clears throat> I probably don't have enough time uh, to get into this. Um, <laughs> well, you got plenty of time. No, I I, I mean that because I, I I'm a. As you know, I'm a fairly, fairly deep student of the original Civil War and both causation yes. and, and other aspects of that and, and, and the relative strengths of North and South at the, at the outbreak of those hostilities. Um, and as I said to you before the show, um, in, in recognition of what you're saying is this ain't 1861 any longer boys and girls, uh, when, when the South was solely an agrarian nation that, that had, uh, had little manufacturing capacity. And in the con, what have we learned from Ukraine is that in, mo in modern warfare, it is, it is them who can make the most, the fastest that are going to come out on top. And now, you know, we're in a situation where I saw today where the, the Connecticut, that sea wolf that hit a that hit a seamount in the South China Sea, it yep. still hasn't started yep. repairs yet. Um, in, in the context of, and that is, the, you know, the Sea Wolf is the is the is the ultimate sort of attack boat in our in our arsenal, and yet we can't find the, the, the either the birth or the slot or the people to put that thing back into. And, and, and congratulations, Australia! You think you're going to buy used submarines from us? You're out of your fucking mind. That's never going to happen. But uh, the the point is, is that is that yeah, the the situation has changed. And 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 again, I think that I think that this. I don't want to get too deep into this because, but but I do think that there are areas of the country that are that are have the capacity for self sufficiency 
that under the right circumstances are going to say, you know what, you guys want to live in Newark. You guys want to live in Philly. You guys want to live in, 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 San, in San Francisco and LA and Detroit. Sorry, Joe, but, uh, but, <laughs> but, uh, but any you know, the South side of Chicago, God love you. Go do it. We'll leave you alone if you leave us alone. And if you don't, well, then we'll have to do what we have to do at that particular point. Uh, because I think that's, I think we're going to reach that inflection point in the not too distant future. I, I, I have a theory. It's, it's, it's only a theory, but I think that the election of 2024 is going to be analogous to the election of 1860. And yeah. I think, I think that, I think that the, the, um, almost regardless of who the democratic candidate is, the fortification of that election is going to remove the, remove the, um, the blinders from even those people who don't want to see it at that particular point. And I think that's going to be a sea change in 2025. And, and, and I just think people aren't going to put up with it anymore. And, and, you know, there's various maps of how this could balkanize one way or the other. We won't know until we know. Um, but I think that, I think that that's probably the more likely pathway for us to go down. And that is, you know, there, I've spent a lot of time in post-Soviet states uh, in my career, and and the the chronology of all of them is about the same. And that you know, it, they just they woke up one day and the Soviet Union was gone, and it was gone as a matter of weakness. And and I think I think that our current leadership, and I'll include a lot of folks on the Republican side, in the Uniparty Republicans. Yeah. Are are rotting our government out from the inside, but they're taken with both hands because they know that the time is running out. I mean, the, the the grift is accelerating because they can read the writing on the wall in in the context of our lack lack of ability to project power, our lack of ability to to act in a sovereign manner. We're the hegemon because we spend a trillion dollars on intelligence and defense. We've got almost a thousand bases around the world, and yet we can't field a full complement of our of our of our armed forces because we can't recruit people, we can't procure stuff. What we do procure, we end up buying fifteen of, like the B twenty one Raider that they're pushing into into into. You know, we're going to buy five, I think, is the first order. Because they're, and I don't know the exact number. I've seen it. I forgot it. I, I, I don't pay attention to it because it's a fairy tale. Uh, but I think they're like $800 million a copy or some bullshit like that. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so who's going to put that at risk, right? And, and if we do send it out there, we're going to have to do what we did with that Reaper drone in the Black Sea. We're going to have to try to move heaven on earth to get it back so nobody else can, can reverse engineer it. Um, that's so what I the just, Iranians already did. Yeah, they that. did. They they did. <laughs> That's a conversation for tomorrow. Yeah, it is. It <laughs> is. And uh, and so I, I just I I I think the jig. I think the die is cast. In terms of, I think we're over the event horizon as it relates to um, the ability to maintain what the United States has been in the sovereign form that it's been in. And, and, and I think that that the, the centrifugal force, the inertia that's that's going on in the society, is going to spin this thing apart sooner rather than later. Uh, I could be off. Maybe it's not 2025. Maybe it's 2026. But it'll happen in my lifetime. 
And, um, and I think to borrow a lot of tactical wisdom and the guerrilla guide, and I think people need to be thinking about what are they going to do when that happens? I mean, you know, you, you watch people and, 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 um, you know, you lose power for 72 hours and their world comes to an end. Look at the people lined up to get water in Philadelphia right now. Yeah. Yeah. So, so That's just to, never going to happen in my town. I turn on the tap and the water comes on. Until just, to it take a, just, just to take a page out of this without getting too, um, too specific on it. But, um, you know, we talk about Armenia a lot because uh, there's some shared uh, actuality there. And and yeah. from from 1990 during the during the first Karabakh War, the capital city of Yerevan didn't have electricity for two years. Wow! And my in-laws lived on the 16th floor of the Soviet apartment building. Wow! Okay, and people freak out if the Kiev Starbucks is closed for 10 minutes. Right. right. And, 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 and that, is, that was at a time when there was a new, there still is a nuclear Soviet nuclear power plant, same design as Chernobyl, but, but modified. Yeah. 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 Uh, I knew about that, but and, I, I didn't and, know that but, they, but, they were but, living but, without but, power. But they were, they were not running it at that time because in the dissolution of the Soviet Union, they didn't have replacement parts and the fuel was spent and one thing and another. Yeah. They did, they did restart it in 94. Much to much to the chagrin of the United Nations and the IEA, finally somebody just said, "Fuck it, we're going to start the power plant. We're going to we're going to turn the electricity back yeah. on." Uh, but the point is, is that is that's a society that went from being really one of the more productive of the Soviet republics, based upon gray matter more than anything else. Yeah, the median median IQ is yeah went went from being you know a really productive by soviet standards republic to living in a bronze age village in six months and and that's not to say that it can't happen here in certain places um i think that because we think it can't happen here so much and are so stupidly over-reliant on technology that it's going to happen even faster here actually and and it's going to cause a lot more death than it should because we have an entire generation of children and teens who literally cannot function without a device in their hand and that's yeah. the scary part you know yeah. if i had if i had a nickel for every minute i spend with my son saying put the phone down put the pad down yeah. step away from the computer it is a point of contention in this household that is it's uncomfortable but i'm resolute because you know pick up the air rifle let's go outside you've got basketball practice you've got tennis practice you've got to learn to do things with your body not just with your mind or your fingertips on a keyboard and and if you're not preparing your kids for a, a a life of of exhortation you're not doing them any favors they're grubs. They're going to get whacked when this all goes bad, um, both either as teenagers or as adults. So, yeah, uh, not to get not to get you know down there, but I'm just saying that it, it as this process winds its way to what I think is its end end spot, those people who have got skills um, 
a variety of different skills are, are going to be able to survive initially and thrive eventually in, in whatever comes next. And we've seen it in the Balkans. Yeah. We've seen yeah. it every, in, in all these places where, where, you know, this goes on. Uh, and, 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 and we've not been absolved of the laws of nature. Right. I think Ivan Throne of all people pointed okay. it out once. And he said, what skills does the average computer tech have in a world without power? And the answer is none at all. They can't even make macaroni and cheese on their own. Um, so you have to uh, you have to think about that. Those people like, are really going to be helpful. You know, learn to reload. To the yeah. Learn to reload. <laughs> That's a great idea. Go back to the Armenian example, and juxta I'm going to juxtapose this to the Yugoslavian example mm, yeah, and sure. I'm, I'm using those terms very very specifically here the armenian example so they go two years without power which is that's just that that's almost unimaginable for a lot of reasons that's um i remember my first tour in iraq watching power rationing like it, it was a big culture shock for me anyway um for for a lot of reasons but you know i had never seen i i thought growing up in in rural north carolina in one of the you know poorest counties of north carolina you know i i make jokes about the trailer hood all the time but i thought like seeing that growing up and being exposed i thought that was poverty like that that was poverty in my mind I, I had never seen poverty until I went to Iraq mm -hmm. and I went to, you know, some of the, the poor outskirts of Kirkuk, everything in Kirkuk's poor, but I hadn't seen poor like that until you get South of Kirkuk towards the hammer rods where these people have a mud hut, a few blankets and a Quran that they may or may not be able to read. And that's it. Like, yeah. that's it. They And, and, well, and power rationing and, and seeing the power rationing. And it was like whole sections of the city would have power for a little while and then it would get shut down. And it was like the first time I saw that, I was like, man, they don't have power. That, that, that I mean, I just remember I that kind of kind of threw me for a loop. And I, I remember uh, telling my team leader that because you know, I, I was Joe. I told my team leader, I was like, why do their lights go off? You know, and this was, uh, he he was, my team leader, my first team leader is kind of interesting, dude, in not good ways. But this this was his third tour in Iraq. Uh, we, he should have been much further along in his career than he was at that point. But it's another story. But I, anyway, he, he was just like, yeah, yeah, they ration power here. It's like ration power. This was just—it it was such an alien, like alien concept to me. So, so thinking about that, like Armenia losing power for two years straight, but you didn't have—you probably had people knowing knowing Armenian culture quite well, uh, growing up with it. Um, yeah, I'm sure there was some there there was some worked up people and a lot of talking with the hands and. 
<laughs> getting getting upset well, and yeah there's yeah. A, there was there was there was a lot of workarounds i mean I, I, yeah oh you yeah know, guys would drive and gasoline was in short supply so guys would would try to maximize their gas mileage by driving yep. in the dark with their lights off because they thought that would make their gas <laughs> mileage better. Well, uh, at the end of the day though at the end of the day they didn't go out trying to murder each other no by and large right see, i'm sure a, there was there was well, probably yeah, I mean, but, but that's here and there but that's the benefit of a cohesive society exactly. right i mean that's this goes that goes that that goes back to that goes back to what you were talking about in the context of the the sort of law of recognition so right my dad my dad grew up in a community that was basically uh, a melting pot of uh, armenians and croatians and bulgarians and romanians yeah. and all the anian all the anians that came over <laughs> okay uh, and and yeah. they they were they they were all in one community, and I envy his childhood to this day. A lot of baklava. Yeah, well, but but a lot but, of baklava. But, but but everybody knew everybody, and there was a yeah. shared sort of um, a culture about it, and it shared values. I mean, sometimes they didn't speak each, each other's language, but mostly they were either Catholics or they were or Eastern Orthodox, and so there was a lot of commonality in terms of shared values. But even beyond that, there was this sort of common sense commonality of this is what it takes to be a family and this is what it takes to be a community right. such right. that those guys and they were hellions but they couldn't get away with anything because the 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 mexican family that was five blocks away that saw them doing what they weren't supposed to be doing if they didn't grab them by the ear and take them back to their house and explain to their parents well they told the parents about it later okay yep and the parents yep. were grateful that they were they were kept in the loop as opposed to today being outraged who are you to be you know correcting my child sort of thing and 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 that community was a community and it was diverse in, in certainly in ethnicity but it but it shared values and and what's happened in our country is the values have polarized okay and there's 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 nothing in between. There's no shared common values uh, as a whole. And and I don't know how you're going to square that circle at the end of the day. Yeah. And that, that's why I juxtaposed my statement to Yugoslavia. Yeah. So when, when Yugoslavia was on its last legs, it was Serb dominated, right? And it's not a slight it serves. It just is what it is. Right. The, the government of Yugoslavia was Serb dominated and they were desperately in, in their later days, in their waning days, they were desperately trying to keep the peace between Serbians, Croatians, Macedonians, Albanians and Bosnians. And they were doing everything in their power to whitewash a lot of the very real crimes that were occurring. One of them was the manipulation of rape statistics. And 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 if you talk to any any Croatian out there about that, that lived through that era, right? The waning days of mm -hmm. Yugoslavia, that's the one thing they'll point to. Followed by they all recognized that Croatia had the largest continuous coastline 
I said, we don't need you. We, we don't need you anymore. Your government, the government of Yugoslavia, and Croatia was the first state to break away. When, when, and, and the, the government of Yugoslavia, right, which was Serb dominated, came in, right? Uh, Operation Storm, I think, was what the uh, Croatians called it. It's the, the, uh, uh, the big counter punch that, so the, the essentially the, the Yugoslavian uh, Serb led element came in. And they were trying to quickly capture the, the capital of Croatia. And Operation Storm drove them out and drove them out very quickly. It was very, very quick, very efficient. Um, they, there was a lot of interesting characteristics to that. You had the Haas or the HOS, which was uh, the, the uh, Croatian Nationalist Party, um, their armed faction that, that was there. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of elements to that, right? But they they very quickly capitalized on the corruption of the Yugoslavian regime, but also were able to curry that nationalist firm very quickly and say, we're Croatian. We are not Yugoslavian. We are Croatian. And we are not going to recognize their sovereignty any longer. And we fought them back. Now, if you counter that, when you, 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 when you're looking at that at the macro level, right? You take Armenia, very, very good example of all right, you know, hey, we're we're all suffering through this together, but we're one coherent people. Right? Doesn't matter at that point, it doesn't matter what your governmental administration system is, whether it's communist, whether it's capitalist, whether it's you know, whatever, it doesn't matter, whether you're living under a theocracy, it doesn't matter, right? Because at the end of the day, that rule of recognition of we're all one people together this, and, and we're going to make it through to the other side because I recognize one another as, as being coherent people, right? Yugoslavia was not that. It was a nation that was made up of dissimilar peoples that didn't, they, they didn't jail. They never did. And Tito was the strong man that said, hey, all this internecine fighting is, is going to go by the wayside, right? So that broke apart. The United States, I think, going forward in all this is going to look more like that, but far worse, I think, far worse in certain areas. Cert certain areas are going to fare pretty well, I think. Uh, a lot of your... your uh, the areas that are that are red or red dominant, or have a, a a solid, they have a solid and concerted effort to to push back uh, the California tide, as as we're calling it. Um, it. You know, Florida is obviously leading that effort. Georgia, I, I would say there's there's a very big movement in Georgia now. Um, the transgender issue is really galvanizing a lot of people who probably wouldn't have previously been on the same page with that. And I think the transgender thing is a big part of why the mayor of Atlanta is using the language that he is. And, and you know, we've discussed that on live shows, excuse me, uh, live shows in the past about why Atlanta, the, the, the cop city uh, incidents now that, that have sprang forth and uh, the increased hostility 
and virulency of Antifa's activities in Atlanta. The Atlanta mayor, who is a, uh, he, I mean, he's a black guy. He is, you know, very much a product of the Democrat machine that has uh, been based in racial identity, right? You know, those are all facts. And he is, he's coming forth and he's using very stern and very pointed language towards these terrorists, these domestic terrorists in Atlanta, calling them, calling them what it is, right? Saying that they're going to use RICO laws to go after them. It's very specific. And I think that this is a reflection of the fact that he realizes that, you know, he is in the heart of Bible country for every one of the, the various groups, the various identity groups that make up that region, right? And he's looking at it like this is a bigger threat. This is in, in sociology, this would be something that we would call a superordinate goal where you have dissimilar groups that coalesce because there's a larger element that threatens them from the well, outside. You can, you can see a, 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 a good example of that in the mayoral election in Chicago. Um, yes. Lori Lightfoot That's ab another abdicated, her, abdicated her responsibilities with respect to law and order. And she had help from a, a, a district attorney who was also of a similar school. Uh, Fox, I think, or Kim Fox is her name, and and yep. it it took four years, okay, but the city of Chicago finally woke up and said, "We can't do this anymore. Um, we're not going to put up with this anymore." And and people across a, a fairly wide spectrum of of the society of Chicago voted her out of office now they've still got a run-up coming uh, runoff election coming up uh and and by my standards they haven't got great choices but they will be better than Lori Lightfoot whether they're going to be successful and from a I mean the gold standard for running the city of Chicago still is the daily machine yeah and <laughs> you can say, you, you yes. can say what you, you can say what you want about uh about mayor daly uh and his son okay but but um but you can say what you want but that city worked right and and yeah. and and so it well you know can they get back to that I, I don't i think those days are gone but it can get better than what it what it's become i mean it, it, if you go to the city of chicago and you haven't been there in a while you will not recognize what has transpired you know on, on the magnificent mile okay Michigan Avenue and, and, and what have you. It's, it right. looks like a, it looks like a war zone. You know, and, we used to vacation and, there. Like we'd go there for weekends all the time. Cause it's only a yeah. few hours away. Yeah. Haven't done it in years. Yeah. Won't take, do it. Take your life, take, take your life in your hands by doing that. And, and yeah. so, you know, there, there is a point where you hit bottom and, and I think Eric Adams in New York is aware of that. I don't think he's doing a very good job about, acting on it but at least he's not Lori Lightfoot and being Pollyanna and just saying watch me beat the drum and dance with my bros and and vote for me right and yeah, and man. so he's and and he's at least taken on the Biden administration as it relates to shipping illegals to New York City I think it's tremendous irony that all these sanctuary cities have gone into uproar because they got what they wanted in the way of you know people being imported to their cities 
Uh, and I think Martha's Vineyard reaction to what DeSantis did will stand in the annals of history as one of the <laughs> one of the best moves a politician oh, yeah. has, has ever made in terms of showing out the hypocrisy of our political opponents. So. Yep. It did expose our hypocrisy. Speaking of exposing hypocrisy, I don't know if you guys saw this or not, because it was happening just when we came on, but Adidas is suing Black Lives Matter over the what? three-stripe design. So who who knew that we were going to have Slavic fashion versus Black Lives Matter fashion in 2023? <laughs> but uh, Well, what you, what you have, though, it's, it's, it's less Slavic fashion than it is German management. And somebody finally in Germany woke up and said, what the fuck is going on here? So yeah, it's, it's you know, uh, so Adidas has gotten rid of Yee and Adidas has gotten rid of Kim Kardashian, uh, which used to be one and the same. And now they're going after BLM. So, you know, I, you know, when the history, when the full history of BLM is written, what a sad chapter. <laughs> Grifter. Yeah. Grifter Incorporated. It's, Listen, Ponzi has nothing on them, right? No, not, not at all. Not at all. I mean, I and, and I have to say, I mean, I, I think you know, I haven't watched an NFL, NFL football game in two years. And one. Yeah, I just, I can't. You I haven't just, missed anything. You didn't miss anything. I haven't, you know, I I haven't watched it. I, I caught a little bit in an airport not that long ago. It's just you know sitting at an airport bar and I was like, so this, I I haven't. It, it's kind of like waking up from you know a coma or something. I guess. Yes, like, it is. So we we started know playing. What I missed here. Like I, I don't I don't know what the appeal ever really was. I mean, I like I like football because I used to play football. Yeah. Like, you know, it it, but. Well, I, I, I don't know. yeah, but but you but you know what the appeal was. Everybody knows what the yeah. appeal was. The appeal was it was a community activity with people who had some level of shared value and shared identity, either on right. either in their community yeah. or the team that they rooted for. And it was a place where people could get together in as pedestrian a location as a parking lot. Okay, to tailgate and all the rest of that sort of stuff. It had a lot of attributes that made it a great sort of, you know, way to spend a Sunday, or if you like the college football better, the way to spend a, a Saturday. And then all of that was broken apart by the overlay of the same divisive sort of tenets that were applied to society, but in this case, even more so. And you had to fight your way through that crap. And all of a sudden, the community and the camaraderie and all, everything that was associated with it was gone. And when that was gone, then you might as well go watch your kids play touch or flag football because it's far more entertaining and a whole lot less expensive. Yeah. 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 I mean, obviously you're, you know, hitting, hitting the nail on the head. I mean, that's true. And, and you know, football these days, is not what it was in you know the the 90s when I was growing up. Um, athletes don't don't professional athletes don't carry themselves. And this, this is true for for every sport. They don't carry themselves with that professionalism uh, that they nope. used to. But that's nope. you know every everything is grandstanding. It it used to be about you know public image was solid. And, and I mean I remember um, you know. 
looking up to professional athletes as, uh, you know, that that's what you wanted to be because look, they're good people. And, you know, th- then things started like Daryl Strawberry. I remember that Daryl Strawberry controversy with him, and then Michael Irvin. Um, and, and, you know, like growing up in, in northern North Carolina, southern Virginia, south side of Virginia, I hate to say this, um, you know, let me, but Michael let me tell Vick, you. Let me no, before that. Let me tell you who ruined basketball. Because I used to love basketball, and and right up through uh, Bird Magic and then Michael Jordan. And the guy who ruined basketball was Allen Iverson. So if you if you yeah. know if you That's know cool. if you if if you're you know you have that sort of Virginia overlap there, Allen yeah. Iverson ru- thuggified basketball. At, well, Vic. I mean, Michael Vick, that, that was the heartbreaker because I remember Michael Vick when I was I was coming up and he had just – he he was a freshman at Virginia Tech. And watching, watching him play, watching him play football, that was like nobody had ever seen anything like that. Nobody had ever seen a quarterback that could play like a fullback. Yeah. Nobody had ever seen anything like it, but could run because any fullbacks normally can't. A fullback, you know, linebacker size dude that you put running the ball, right? He, he, he could do everything. It was like, man, oh, wow, this guy could do it, and instantly he became Michael Vick became the marquee that everybody, everybody looked at him like you're, and, and you know where I grew up, they looked at him. Yeah, it just just over in Blacksburg, Virginia, man. Yeah, he, you you are the hometown hero. You're the hometown hero. And then he goes to the NFL and makes the NFL. Everybody knew that he was going to make it to the pros, man. And all of a sudden, you say, and he he, you know, seemed, seemed like all American dude, great guy, real humble. You know, he did much respect to 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 family and everything. And it's just like, man, he's so perfect. And they did what he did. And it was like it was the it, it was the biggest letdown. Like, man, why? Why well, did you we, do like you you broke everybody's heart? Why did you do that? We 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 vest these guys with too much um adulation. They're human beings. Um, yeah. and and so yeah. They're going to have their foibles. I mean, look, I mean, we're never going to know what happened with Michael Jordan and his betting addiction. Um, And and yet, and yet, I, you know, yeah, uh, but I, 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 I will go to my grave thinking that Michael Jordan is the best athlete I ever saw in in any sport. And, and and I respect everything that that man did because when he was on the floor, he was professional. I mean, he really was. I mean, and so I, I, I think that, you know, be careful what you wish for in the context of who you pick as your heroes. They're always going to let you down to one degree or another. But I think that the the, the commonality of, of, of um, uh, the, the ability for, for people to use sports to drive an agenda, this, again, this, societal rendering agenda that has come to the forefront now is, 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 is a shame because it, it, it used to be that those things were 
really great outlets for people. They, they enjoy them, you know, and, and one thing and another. And I think big swaths of, of the society have just sort of given up on it. I mean, even, uh, yeah, it, look, I mean, I, I've, I, I don't, I, I played hockey as a kid. I don't really watch hockey much anymore because Gary Bettman, who came over from the NBA to be the commissioner of the NHL, God love these guys who said, we're not wearing the gay pride warm-up jerseys, right? right. I mean, uh, right. And, and so, you know, there's still an element of hockey that's got some common sense, or at least some of them do. And so, and, and so I'll watch that because playoff hockey is the best thing on the planet. But, um, but I, you just, it's, it's, it's corrosive. Yeah. And so this is, well, let me, let me bring this, let me bring this all the way around. And that yeah. is, that's why this, this transgender issue with this, this young lady with the gun killing people in a Christian school. That's why we have to drive this down their throats. Because if right. we don't, if we give up on this, if we roll over and go back to sleep and, and try to normalize this and, and swallow the narrative that it, they, her, she, it, X, whatever, is, is, is the victim here and was acting out out of, out of a sense of fear, okay, then, then we're done. You can put a, you can put a, you can stick a fork in it. We're done. Because well, it's any it's anything but that. That brings me to this. Um, Megan Basham writes for Wall Street Journal and a couple of other things. Put this out uh, just a little while ago. Not too proud to admit I'm fighting tears looking at the horrific way the media is framing this. Um, the Christian victims had it coming. Uh, this is what the media is saying, right? That 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 Whoa. they hate the Christians and the Christians had it coming. So can I ask you guys a question? Because I, I, I think wow, I think, I think somebody on Twitter had asked this question. I was thinking about it, uh, but I really do think that there's a there's a point to be made here, and that is, where is the Catholic Church? Where is the Episcopalian Church? Where is yeah. the where 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 is the are the Jesuits? Okay, where where is the Methodist Church? The Baptist Church? the Presbyterian church in outrage, in outrage about the fact that this, this, I'm just going to say it, this godless creature who's lost their way, walked into a Christian school and shot up a bunch of people. Where, where's Billy Graham or not Billy, but Franklin Graham at this particular point. Now I know he's doing a lot of work in Mississippi as it relates to the tornado and everything else, but where yeah. are the Christian leaders? Who, I'll be who honest, should... it's probably got more to do with geography than anything else, but I've heard imams speak out about this and not Christian leaders. Yeah. The I Taliban. Understand. The Taliban. The Tal- and, and I'm going to tell you, what a strange timeline we're living in. I saw a statement from the Taliban today about this that I, I don't have the quote in front of me, and it would take too much time to pull it up right now. It, it, it would it would detract from the point. If this they literally were... said, they literally said, th- this is the Taliban, by the way. Mm-hmm. They literally said, we mourn with our Christian brothers and sisters over the fact that this godless creature has has murdered children. Yeah. Now, 
what what now i know, I know. okay so there's gonna be people well it's a psyop and it's maybe it is okay maybe it is but at the same time why is it that the doggone Taliban is saying and making the points that need to be said and made in America right now? Why is that? Why is that? That's a sad state of affairs. It is. And 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 for two this things. this two, who who is this? Two, two things. I go ahead. I was go about ahead. to say something. No. Bad. <laughs> well, okay. Two two things. One is it's it's equal part people of the book, and equal part um, they they don't mind rubbing our noses in it as well. Yeah, um, true. So it's it's that's it's, very true. It's but if this were if this were if this were a madrasa up in Michigan someplace, okay, Shia, Sunni, imams from all over the country would be speaking out against this and particularly during Ramadan. Okay. Uh, And so I I don't, I don't know where's the leadership in, in, in terms of the Christian community that, that is, you know, there used to be a phrase about being a Christian, right? Where are all the muscular Christians in, in the context of this, when these three nine-year-olds were gunned down on the altar of, transgenderism i mean come on i mean there needs to be outrage and there needs to be emotion and there needs to be i'll I'll say it anger that is that is directed at the people responsible for this well i can tell you where where is the methodist church well duke university duke university is the divinity school for the methodist church I can tell you where they are. That that's that's uh, they're rewriting uh, all the liberation. documents to support it, yeah. right? That that's Liberation Theology University right there, right? So so that's well, I'm gonna, that's I'm a big gonna, part. Of it. I, and I apologize in advance, Matt, but I'm going to say this um, because right I, I believe I believe this. I drive by a Methodist church that's got a sign out in front in the in the yard that's a you know, all like a signboard, electric signboard. All are welcome with the gay flag or the trans flag, or or an Episcopal okay. church with the same thing, or a, a Lutheran church with the hey, same. And I, and I look, I, I Episcopal ends over the coals too. I look at my that's wife and I say, "That's not a church. That's a social club, and they have right. a right to be a social club, and they can invite anybody to the social club that they want to invite to the social club, but it's not a church." No. And I catch hell for that, not from her, but from other people, because I'm not shy about saying it to them, uh, including people that I know that go to some people who are gay or otherwise that go to those churches. I get into it with them all the time and say, I, wh- what do you think is going to happen on the day of judgment, boys and girls? You're going to the end of the line. And it's not the good so, line. <laughs> well, you know. I'm going to quote scripture, but also a, a very good friend of mine who, and, and I know he, he's going to listen to this podcast. Um, he, he is an incredible man. Uh, he, he is someone I respect uh, deeply beyond words. He is someone that um, I have learned from 
and and you know it, it and, and deeply honored to be in his presence and and the fact that he's he's come to class as many times as he has um is is just anyway it's it's a big honor but he is he is one of uh most faithful men that I know also and and which that's that's a big part of uh how much I respect him but um he you know he he is he is a man who has uh studied scripture uh wears his prayer beads he is um you know he he's been a firearms instructor and, and I, I i'm not going to go any deeper than that it, it because if i said any more than that it, it might start start pinpointing uh, but he he's going to know who he is when he listens to us but we were having a conversation over some ardbeg uh, scotch, which is I lay scotch, peated pretty heavy, and, and we were having a conversation. And um, you know, he said he he said one thing that the left always has quoted, and he was talking about a lot of their talking points in the the nineties and going into the early two thousands. And this was a justification in liberation theology, which is what the contemporary Methodist Church utilizes is liberation theology. And, and they have for some time now. The Episcopal Church, unfortunately, does as well. And he, he said, he who is without sin cast the first stone and, and simultaneously, simultaneously, let ye be judged. Right. And so when we're talking about judging, right, right, who, who are you to judge? That That's the ultimate uh, manifestation of their ideology right there. But they, they never, ever will go deeper into the scripture. Right. Judge not, lest ye be judged by the same metric. That's the completed verse. You have to be judged by the same metric. So what the left and liberation theology on all this, to answer the question, liberation theology has said, well, you, you know, eh, we can justify this. So we can justify that. We eh, let this slide because, well, you know, we're all just God's children. We are God's children, but we're also told don't sin anymore. Don't do that, right? Sin is the apostasy of Christianity. That's the thing they don't understand, and they throw that out there. And I'll say, I, I'm going to go on and say it for a lot of the churches these days. A big part of it is probably fear. They, you know, oh, well, if, if we say the wrong thing, we'll lose that 501c3 status. But we don't want that. That's part of it. The other part is, well, you know, if we, we we let all these people in, of course, a lot of our parishioners are getting old and they're going to die. Yeah, well, that, that, that revenue that. might drop. But it's there's a lot of Marxists that are coming out of theology school too. A lot. Well, of yeah, yeah, I, that's that's true. I I, I I think we overcomplicate things to a great degree, and that is, I mean, I look at I look at I look at. You know, one of my big bugaboos about 
organized religion is, is that it becomes so full of itself that it loses yes. sight of what it's meant to be. Okay. And, and there's a, there's a evangelist guy name, last name starts with an O you can figure out who I'm talking about, who I think is sort of, sort of the, the guy who is the, the, the ultimate sort of, and, 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 but if you listen to him, if you, if you turn off the television and, or the, and just leave the sound on, I mean, he tells a good story, but he doesn't, he doesn't live what he's preaching. Right. And, and there's so much of that that goes on and, and we, and we aggrandize, this is my, my take. Right? People can, people can agree with it or not. You know, we, we aggrandize religion to such a degree that we give people the power to bastardize it. Um, that, you know, and, and, yeah. and, to, and, and, and to deflect it from what it's meant to be. And, and I look at, if you've ever had done the tours of Europe, when you look at the cathedrals that have been built there and you recognize that the people that started those things never lived to see them finished. Right. And, yeah. and they're, and, and they're less ornate buildings than they are acts of faith. Right. By the people that built them because they knew they weren't going to see them finished, but they, they, they worked their asses off to build these monuments to faith. And, and it wasn't because it was, you know, the, the, the archbishop of, of Chicago lives in this magnificent mansion. Okay. On the North side of Chicago. And, and, and every time I've ever been to the Vatican and I walk through the art collection and I think, my God, what what good could they do with this, rather than holding on to it? And I, yeah, I know that they're preserving it for for future whatever, whatever, whatever. But I just I think we've I think we've turned religion inside out and and made it, you know, cast, castles of its own, and 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 so I think that and, and I think that has. I, there's a point I'm working towards here. I'm not doing a very good job, of it, but I think that I think that has a. That, that's relevant in the current context. And that is the left will, you know, scratch its left ear with its right hand and genuflect and turn around to try to justify these behaviors that we know are just in, in incongruent with life as it's supposed to be. Uh, right. And to justify those things. I mean, I was, if you, if you, if you really want to know where this started, or at least the recognition of it started, Go back and read Daniel Patrick's Daniel Patrick Moynihan's defining deviance down speech. Okay. Democratic Irish Catholic Senator from New York. And he put his finger on it back in the sixties and, and it hasn't missed a beat since then. And, and the, and the point is, is that we, we, you know, we're building, our religions are building busy building golden calves rather than focusing on what it is that religion is meant to be Amen. doing. And, 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 and when we do that, we sow the seeds of the bastardization of that religion. And, and so. That's, right. That's, that's what we have now. That's what it is. And, and that's and what we, gets and that's, and, and that's, out front of the Episcopal church. Exactly. And that's what gets you to yeah. that end state that says, well, we're all we're all equal. Well, no, we're not all equal. That's not the message. The message is you have to accept Jesus to get to the Father. 
It's no more complicated than that. And if you don't accept those teachings, you ain't getting there, pal. It's uh, it's there. In it's you can read it in Aramaic, you can read it in Greek, you could read it in English, you can read it in in, in every language that it's been translated into. But it's there. All you got to do is read it. Right. I think that a lot of people would be surprised to hear me say this, but religion is from man, faith is from God. No, that's right. That's right. And I think that's the biggest problem we have. And if you want a great movie that explains that, The Kingdom of Heaven. Yes. Uh, yeah. Great story. And, he, and, and the monk explains it in there. I've seen every kind of lunacy be called the will of God by different religions. What God wants is in your mind and in your heart. And that's, uh, that's what makes you a good man or not. And uh, it's just a great film. Kingdom of Heaven. And, and Stan, you're going to appreciate this. Kingdom of Heaven was mandatory viewing along with gods and generals mm -hmm. at a certain point in my life. <laughs> uh, Gettysburg as well, but but gods and generals, I, I think, was, was uh, the better film. Um, that is a good one. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't. I don't. I don't like the film about Gettysburg. I, I don't think it's terribly well done. Um, no. And 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 I and I, I I've never thought that Robert Duvall was well cast um, in in as without getting too far into this. And so I just think that I think that you know points points for trying, um, but but uh, but not not quite on the mark in, in a lot of ways. So. Kingdom of Heaven is is right there with it though. That's uh, yeah. That's a, it's a it's a great movie. It's a great movie. It's a great movie, yeah. and it's in the hands of a great director, Ridley Scott. But so if you're gonna watch it, you have to watch the extended edition because you don't get as much of the point of the movie unless yeah. you do. It's much the exactly. extended the extended edition is much easier to follow and and yes put the pieces together because it's in the other in the other one it's been edited in such a way that it's, you have to kind of watch it twice to sort of get what's really going on in like when they take out the part that the monk was never really there the whole time. So, you know, anyhow. So I, 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 I think I, I didn't mean to go down a rabbit hole on, I apologize for that, but I, 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 no. I just, think, I, I think that, I think that our hubris and our, our capacity for delusion is enhanced by making overly complex and overly, overly um, complicated and overly adorned um, the process of faith and belief and and values and common sense. If you if you know it, it if if you have to have a room full of 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 lawyers to explain to you what is the tenet of your religion, you got a problem. And and um, I, I think that I think that there's too much of that in the construct of what's taken elements of the Christian faith down a rabbit hole in, in terms of, you know, this, this need to be relevant. Uh, and, and I'll say this, I, I, I was amazed the other day to see that Pope Francis, who I don't agree with on much of anything, um, no. but I do agree with him on this. Uh, I, when he was talking about reexamining the vow of celibacy for Catholic priests. I had to think about that for a minute. And I thought, man, that 
that would do the Catholic Church a lot of good. Um, it would. And, and it, if it had been done a long time ago, the Catholic Church right. would have likely, likely avoided all of this pedophilia, child abuse, whatever, 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 uh, sort of, sort of stuff. And, and, and you got, you guys know, I'm, I'm, I'm a member of a, an Eastern Orthodox church and, and those priests are married and have kids. And, and, and I, I believe that that gives you more commonality with your parishioners, not less. It does. Uh, more, more ability to relate to what they're going through. Not the, less. the Episcopal Church is um, the same, you know. It, it, it well, but the Episcopal that. Church has 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 gone over the line with that stuff. Oh wait, oh in yeah, my, wait, in, wait, in my view, okay. Because not only can you get married and have kids, but if you're if you know you can get, uh, uh, you know, you know what I'm saying. I mean, it, I, I yeah. just I, I think I think that it's I think, and I'm a conservative person, and I don't make any apologies for no. that. And, People can disagree no, it, with it, it it should, women. Women should not be in the pulpit. Period. Period. That, that and, that's non-starter. And no. I'm and I'm gonna I'll stir. If you have any women listening to the show, I'll stir up a little bit here as well. Uh, but it, but I, I think it checks out. Uh, the survival rates of matriarchies is zero. Yep. So it's uh you know. I wanted to bring up, you know, in, in kind of the rounding out the show here, uh, something that I look to as inspiration. Since we we got into the the uh, the role of the Pope, and and uh, we're we're very much getting into that, and and one of the things we're very much getting into the religious end of things uh, as a pitched battle against evil yeah. as we should right we're, we're getting into that and and i want to make that very clear to the audience out there that this that's that's what we're facing okay you know i've, I've said it many 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 times joe i know you have too you've, you've built your entire brand around it as you should you know and and we talked about that about christian faith being the center of all things you know, we've had the left over the years calling us Y'all Qaeda and, and using their labels. Well, you know, hey, here we are. You know, here we are. And, and it, it's, I think it's a great bit of, of poetic irony that we have the Taliban of all people that are making statements that, hey, you know, they're not wrong. At a minimum, they're not wrong. Right. But I want to I want to use this quote here from Pope Urban II, the Council of Claremont, speech at Claremont, which has historically uh, been extremely significant in justifying the crusade. It was Pope Urban II who died not long after giving this uh, famous speech who is credited with giving the most coherent point of view on just war, which is critically important in the, in the Christian faith. And I've had many Christians, uh, fellow Christians who've come to class and they've told me, whenever I tell them in the scout course, and Joe, you've heard me say this, this is not a class about, this is not a course on uh, 
you know, how, how to organize a team or how to shoot or any of that. This is a course on killing. Because that's why I tell every student, this is a course on killing, right? That's to sober them up for the task at hand, right? This is what you are doing here. This is what you're here for. And so uh, it's important to remain grounded in that reality because there's a lot of people, you know, and I think I've shit on enough groups out there that sent me hate mail. Uh, so I won't say anything else but, uh, uh, in, in that regard, but uh, get back to, to Pope Urban II and the beginning of the crusades here. You know, his speech certainly is, is one that needs to be read in entirety. I read it in its entirety fairly regularly. It keeps me grounded. It got me through, and, and as a, a bit of a, a personal aside, it got me through a, a very rough period in my life. Uh, reading this and making making a lot of notes and personal interpretations, it got me through a, a very, very hard time in my life. Uh, but this this year, and I, I pulled this up because it's critically important. Obravus of knights, descendants of unconquered ancestors, do not be weaker than they, but remember their courage. If you are kept back by your love for your children, relatives, or wives, remember that the Lord says in the gospel, he that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Matthew 10, 37. And Everyone that hath forsaken houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. Matthew 19, 29. This is an incredibly important piece. The, the entire speech is incredibly important. But that right there, yeah. That point yeah. right there, their case for just war is pretty solid. And if you compare the boy, I'm, I'm going to see how to word this. If you compare their requirements for a just revolution, you passed it a long time ago. Oh yeah, yeah. I you know, our our our, our founding fathers went to war over a stamp tax. I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> the bar was a lot lower. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, amongst other things. And, and, and uh, yeah, I, 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 uh, I, I think, I think we live in very, very perilous times. And, and I think that you have to be, you have to be a little bit of a polymath. You have to be able to walk and chew gum at the same time. You have to be able to, to, to have sought, discovered, and 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 embraced your value set, um, and and keep that as sort of a pole star in terms of how how you make a whole series of decisions that's going to impact how you live the rest of your life and more importantly, how your kids are going to live the rest of their lives and, and so on and so forth. And, and, and you're, we, we've taught 
three generations now that reliance on the state is an okay thing. Um, and, and we've lost the, um, the central humanity value of self-reliance in doing so. Yes. And, and we've, and we've, we've, you know, we, Lenin said that religion is the opiate of the masses. I don't think that's true. I think Lenin's Lenin's answer in terms of look to the state is more the opiate of the masses than than religion because you're not promised anything in religion except for you're promised a reward for having adhered to it at at that point. But but you're told that you may have travails in the meantime because in my experience, that's been the truth of life. And, and, you know, you got stuff you got to get over in order to get to where you want to be. And, and the notion that the state's going to provide for you and the state's going to level the playing field for you. And the state's going to make sure that if you're a left-handed lesbian, whatever, 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 that, that you're going to have the same outcome as somebody who's far more talented than you are. Um, just on the basis of actual talent as opposed to box checking. That is the, that is a bastardization of what God had in mind when he designed the human race. Um, and, right. and cause we are, we are equal under the law, but we are not equal in outcomes. And, and to, to preach that we're equal in outcomes is to make a mockery out of the, the, the nature of nature. Um, you know, go, go, if you spend any time hunting, okay, and if you don't, shame on you, because I think that, that one of the things that gives you a real sense of awareness and respect for nature, and by extension, you know, what God has created, is to watch how nature really works in nature, okay? Mm-hmm. And there are no equal outcomes in nature. But there is a system and there is a plan, right? And I always get, I always get, I always look in amazement at people who, you know, tell me that I shouldn't hunt. How can I hunt? How can I, how can I do, you know, what I do in the context of? Uh, I've never of, seen uh, a Deer Lives Matter march. Well, but it's coming. Uh, <laughs> you ever seen anything in nature that dies naturally? No, well, occasionally, but not often. Okay. Yeah, and, right. and, and, and and well, what I'll do, you do see that, but you know where you see it? You see it in apex predators. That's where yeah. you see it. Right. right. Yes. Okay. Yes. So there's a message there too, Sparky. Right. Uh, so yeah. uh, the the point is is that is that is that there is a system here, and and if you don't like it, I there's not much I can do about it. Somebody above Mike Paygrade has designed it, put it in place, and yeah, and you need to figure out your place in it, and there's no better way to do that than with uh, a rifle or a bow or even a fishing rod in your hand and, and trying to figure out if I had to, if I had to feed my family like this, how good am I at it? And could I really do it? And, 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 and it's every, every material lesson I learned in my life, I learned hunting with my dad and his buddies. And that's, yes. that's, the, that's the God's truth. And, yeah, and my, um, my grandpa and his buddies were just, just the hardest men I knew. Well, and, but, uh, but, but the fairest and the kindest, okay. Yeah. You know, right. and, and, and so, um, they, they knew, they knew what they knew and, and they did what they did. And, and, 
and and it was it was wonderful. I mean, it was absolutely wonderful. And I haven't done as good a job with my son yet, but we will. And and um, I just I think that you need to get out into nature. You need to see how the world really works. And 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 you need to. Uh, there's a lot of things in terms of um, American Indians. I won't call them Native Americans because they're not. They're Siberian Americans. They are not Native Syrian. Uh, so, but 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 not not try to pick a fight. But I'm just saying that notwithstanding, there's a lot of there's a lot of right in the spiritualness that that they have as it relates to their reverence for nature that we could also right. learn a thing or two from. And, and, um, and I, I just think that, that the more we, the more we move into a world where, you know, you can live your life inside air conditioning and inside uh, your cubicle and inside your lockdown home and inside the, 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 the metaverse, which I just, I, 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 I you want to talk about apostasy. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. The, the metaverse yeah. is 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 just uh, it's 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 not it's not what man was meant to be. Let's just put it that way, okay? Um, and if you're not out striving and you're not out doing and you're not you know out, out, out you know struggling with with nature in order to provide for your family and do all those other things, then you're not living, in my estimation. And and so I just think that. I think that we need to keep that in mind. The net, what what I'll call the natural order of things, as as we think about to take it back to the top of the show, as we think about what is the response to this horrific event, and 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 to be honest, this chain of horrific events of transgender terrorism, which is really yeah. what it is, um, the 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 answer isn't to turn the other cheek. The answer isn't no. to go along to get along. The answer isn't to say, well, you know, straight white people shoot people too. Um, the answer is, is to take the natural order of things and push like hell back against this uh, in, in order to save your society. Amen. Hey, and, you know, another suggestion I made last year when we were having all of the church attacks was this. Boys... If you've got a free Friday night or Saturday night or middle of the day on Wednesday, go sit outside your local church. Keep an eye on it. Do what you can. Now, I'm not yep. saying intervene, but make that phone call when you see that sketchy person getting out of the car and do what needs to be done. Um, because, listen, um, the government can't be there. And, and quite frankly, in some cases, don't want to be. Uh, I'll say the thing Matt was alerting, alluding to and couldn't. Right. There are times when they don't want to be there. So someone has to do something and you can't complain about your rights in your country and, and, and your heritage being taken, taken away. If you aren't willing to stand up and be counted. Do it. Amen. Be a mensch. Be a mensch. OK. I, you know, be a mensch. I mean, there's a, right. so in, in, in each of the major religions, there are examples of men being men. Okay, in order to make society safe, in order to make society work, and that is taking the right that you've embraced in the context of that religion, yeah. Judaism, Christianity, Islam, the major monotheistic religions, all have a, you know, and, and we can we can agree or disagree with certain aspects of of each of them, but that's not what we're here to talk about. But there is there is a there is a defined right and wrong, right? And and yeah. so 
be a mensch and and defend the right. Okay, uh, the, the Latin phrase is "esto vir," be a man. You know, all and, three and, of the major religions have yeah. the story of Gideon in it, and when yep. when yes. when they were being oppressed by the Midianites, the angel of God came down and told Gideon, "Hey, man, it's time for you to stand up. You're going to lead men and fight this." And Gideon said, "Yeah, but if you're really from God, where have you been? Why did you let this happen?" And the angel turned to him and said. You've been here the whole time. You're the one we sent, and we're sending you now. Um, there's a lesson in there, right? We want to complain and say, why did this happen? Why did that happen? You've been here the whole time, and you didn't stop it. It's time to do yeah. something. Right. Yeah. You know, all it takes for evil to prevail is for supposedly good men to do nothing. Right? I mean... It's it's a fact. It's it's scientific. It's repeatable over time. It's time to go with and that's it. exactly what this is. Yeah, that's exactly what time this when is. every man just spit on his hands, hoist the black flag, raise the black. Hoist yeah, the black. I, you know, I I want to be careful because I don't think I'm can. I don't think that's anybody why say the last part. <laughs> we're we're not we're not condoning violence. Unless, no. unless, no. unless violence is, is, is delivered to us. Unless violence uh, is warranted. But we do have to do something. Yeah. Right? We can't yeah. just sit you, around. You, you, you can't just right. sort of say, you know, I, it's funny because I, I, I went and saw my, my, uh, my mom today and, 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 and she said, what is, what is, what is going on? And she and I don't see eye to eye on certain things. And, and she's, you know, she's simplistic in the nature, in the nature of, it's the guns, it's the guns, it's the guns. And so we have that circular argument time after time after time. And, and, but at the end, she says, so what is the issue? And I said, mom, you may not want to hear this, but it's evil. Just call it what it is. It's evil. And evil is, is out and about it. Evil walks in the world and, and, and increasingly so. For reasons we may not be able to understand, maybe we're not supposed to understand it. There's hints of things and various things, but I don't know if this is the big one or not. But I do, I do have the ability to recognize evil, and 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 I and I and and I will call it what it is, and I will fight against it in it to the extent that I can. Yeah. And here we can here we can be a little ironic, and that is the reason it is the reason we have to fight back against evil. And you've all seen that clip in this movie we've talked about, the kingdom of heaven. God wills it, right? And 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 that's used ironically in the movie, but I'm not using it ironically here, right? God yeah. wills it. Uh, fight back against the evil. And and if you're if you can't tell what the evil is, then you haven't been paying attention. Every single time in the Bible, when the angels show up to help the Jews win a battle, the Jews still had to fight the battle. The angels didn't do it for them. They did it with them. And uh, there's a big lesson in there, right? Well, with Gideon, you, you were talking about Gideon. Yeah. And Gideon, Gideon was sown with doubt. How in the world? Wait a minute. You you want me to pick the guys that, that lap the water? With their tongues wrapped. There's a their lot hands. of small unit tactics lessons in the Gideon story. Well, there, there is, there is, there's, there's the earliest form of singing. 
as you and I talked about on a podcast a long time ago, yeah. uh, the, the earliest form of signals intelligence, you know, yeah. when, when you're getting out there, you're lighting the lamps yeah. and the spies are seeing it. Well, that's a signal, right? Yeah. Wow. You're going to get out there and you're going to light thousands of lamps. And it looks like they have such a massive army that, that are all marching on us at night. Yeah. There's no way we're, we're not going to be, we're just going to leave now. We'll just leave now. We, you know, it, it's it's better to leave now than to die on that field of battle tomorrow. You know, they, they're going to beat us with only three hundred men, the original three hundred. Yeah, know, the original three hundred. That is, that's yeah. that. It it it's it's a really really impressive, it, and there's a lot of those stories in the Old Testament, right? There are. That's kind it's, of the whole idea behind tactical wisdom is finding those old stories and telling them. And uh, like, for example, Gideon picked out the guys who lapped the water because they were more aware. They remained attentive to their surroundings rather than ducking their head. And uh, he conducted his first operations at night, blended back in with the civil, with the civilians. There's a lot of great stuff in there. Y'all need to check it out. Nothing strategic or <laughs> nothing strategic. Man, I butchered that one. Hot take, but hey, we do everything live. That's us. Nothing one tactical. More, one, one, more, one more Obama and it'll all be okay. Don't worry about it. Well, it will. It will. It will. Nothing tactical. Everything strategic. Yeah. And uh, I think that is that. Wow. Yeah, I mean, Snow Bunny Chaser comes up with a good one every now and then, doesn't he? Well, that's one of those things that, um, you know, the, the, the whole unconventional warfare paradigm, and, um, getting into all of that, that's, that's such a, that's such a profound statement to anybody that, that knows when, when they hear that, they're like, wow. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's it. It. I, I don't know. It, it. It's. It's tough to put into words. It. That is. That is a thing. It's. It's a concept that's very tough to put into words. But, um, you know, perfection. Yeah, but you, but you shouldn't worry. You, you shouldn't. You shouldn't worry about that because our our gender homogenized, racially homogenized military our our you know our 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 um, yeah. our equal opportunity equal outcome military no longer a meritocracy to a great degree actually in many instances punishes merit because it calls their um their hypocrisy into question um yeah. you know I, I it's we don't empire very good we never have but we're getting worse at it and um and um uh, and yet you know we are hell-bent to try to be the hegemon in the on the world stage and uh and we're going broke uh trying to economically try to, beneficial for you know 10 percent to the big guy to do so but yeah. we're as a culture, as a society, it's not going to work. 
it 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 doesn't work. No, it, 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 it's not going to work. You know, and, and um, yeah, it, it's that's a whole other conversation. But we are running long. We are running long, longer longer than normal. That double longer than normal, but but in a good way, because this this podcast has been this episode in particular has been really really something special. Um, having having two people that I consider close friends, uh, Joe, you know having broken bread with you a few times now and having you on the podcast, the number of times that I have has been just, just an honor beyond words. Um, you know, Thank you. You, 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 you are an incredible, incredible man and, and doing you, you are doing the Lord's work through your writing and through what you are doing. Here's the thing too. You know, the, the communists, the, the Marxists really love the term praxis. Praxis was the term that Marx used in criticizing the Hegelians, right? And justifying his own actions. Because Marx was not, uh, as Orwell would kind of caricature him in... Uh, uh, Animal Farm is kind of just being the the rooster that was uh, whispering in everybody's ear. That that was actually not true. Mark Marx was a very violent uh, human being on on his own in his own right. He he was a violent revolutionary and was uh, you know used Engels as a benefactor. Uh, but praxis, the word that he used was praxis over and over again. Praxis. They, there is no praxis among the Hegelians, but that was his criticism, and and I use that as a criticism to a lot of uh, the writers and thinkers out there uh, that that are motivating the right. There's no praxis, and this is something that you know I formulated a, a business around. It. You know, I, I'm here to train people uh, because you have to have that praxis. And this is something that you have done and, and have done and been very successful in doing yeah. and and have uh, such a, an incredible gift in doing so. And, and that That's a, a wonderful honor uh, to, to know you, to interact with you, to break bread with you and to have you on, on this podcast and, and to um, all the, the doors that you have opened for me. That's a big honor. And I really, really appreciate it. I appreciate you having me on every cool. time. And I enjoy hanging out with you. Uh, now that I know where the G camp is, you better be looking out for me. <laughs> We're not that far apart. <laughs> I know. We're I really know. not. It's, it's, and you know, I got the best bar in North Carolina. So. Well, you know, I was thinking that after I'm leaving Farmageddon, I know Mike's running a class on your property. So he Mike is, out for me. he is, <laughs> he is, he is. And Stan, the, the, you are, and this is no slight to anybody else, but in, in all honesty, you, you are one of the most intelligent and the, the sharpest people that I get the opportunity to talk to. Well, thanks. And, I, and, I, I don't know that. I don't know. I'll take that in the spirit in which it's offered, but I don't know that I can live up to that day in, day out, but I'll try. So, oh, you uh, can. 
Um, you do. My my hero in the Bible is Noah, and that tells you a lot about how I think about what's going on. <laughs> so we're we're you know we're, what? Uh, we're, we, I got the cubit measurer out, and we're we're, 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 measuring, we're measuring cubits. Uh, on the fourth day of rain, Noah was looking like the preppers were in March of 2020, right? No, no kidding. No well, kidding. Noah Noah crashed. Well, Noah built the ark before the flood, but he also yeah. crashed it into Mount Ararat yeah. and found it Armenian. Yeah. So, yeah. so I, you know, we're we're not building a boat, but we are building an ark, and uh, that's right. I like it. That's right. <laughs> so so that's I, right. I, I I think but that, this ark uh, has ramparts. So <laughs> and root and root cellars. Um, so <laughs> so that's that's kind of the that's kind of the mission here there there are things that have to be made to survive in my book and uh, we're going to try and do that so and when and 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 one day we're going to we'll, we'll come on if you're if you're if you're really interested in this we'll come on and talk about uh what i think is going to be our foray into sheep herding um which i think is going to be pretty darn cool um i'm excited i think about they, it. i think we need to discuss that next week why okay i think i i think so this week um you know i have i have some some things upcoming on the schedule in the latter part of the week next week that that is the thing next week because it's one of those things that that uh goats sheep uh herding livestock this is something that a lot of people are getting into now um just in the past yeah. 12 months. Oh, oh, yeah, absolutely. They need to be. And uh, th this is something I think that this is going to be an extremely worthwhile uh, conversation. That yeah, we're, have. we're we're early days, so I, I'm happy to talk about it to the extent we can. But I'm still I'm still in the ramp up phase of this. But we have a plan. And um, and um, I think the plan is, is, is a good one. We're just we're, we're trying to figure out. Um, some of the logistics aspects and we're we're deep into trying to choose the optimum breed um, of sheep and 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 I joke about this because if you if you've watched um, on on Amazon Prime if you've watched Clarkson's farm that show with Jeremy Clarkson from um, yeah uh, top gear and his yeah. his yeah. his his effort in into sheep herding we we will not be the comedy of errors it was jeremy <laughs> clark's foray into 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 sheep but i think that was all done for comic of comic effect. Yeah, yeah i was gonna say i think knowing him there was a little bit of uh knowing he you know jeremy jeremy is the marquee of the stiff upper lip dry humor Brit. Mm. It, I love it. I, I love it. Having worked around Brits that I, I genuinely enjoyed uh, my time with that. Uh, yeah. Some of the paras and, and some of the, the uh, Royal Marine commando guys absolutely love them. And uh, oh, look, they'll it, give you the shirt off their back. They do well. I know I do. So I have. I don't have it handy. So I have. I have some some uh, desert DPM. Oh yeah. Uh, combat shirts. Got a couple of pants floating around here. Where is it? Is it? 
How they, they have the word for it. Gotti, you'll you'll see it. You'll you know what? I'm gonna dig it out. I'm gonna find it. I will send you a picture tomorrow. You're gonna see. There you it. go. You're gonna see it because uh, they that their combat shirts are pretty sweet. Though. That was, but uh, no, Clarkson Clarkson uh, Germany has that very, uh, very very British sense of humor about him that I enjoy. I enjoy it. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Uh, so, but uh, anyhow, with all that said, gentlemen. Can I? Can I? Uh, can I? Can I? Of course. Can I shamelessly? Can I shamelessly plug uh, tomorrow? Uh, of course. So, uh, Privy Council is um, a streaming show that we do on Wednesday evenings at nine Eastern, and we do it on the Future Conflict channel on both uh, Rumble, YouTube, and occasionally live on Twitter. Um, and and we we tend to try to look around the corner at stuff. Um, Council on Future Conflict tends to be a little more topical in terms of current news. We, we, we tend to try to take a deeper look at things that will be news in the future, but maybe aren't the news now. Um, a good example of that was, I think it was three weeks ago, Joe, we, were, we said, what the fuck are we doing in Syria? And what, how did we get there? Right. And, 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 and that, boom, that, Syria blows that, up. <laughs> that, that became relevant pretty soon. And so uh, tomorrow we're going to look at um, we're going to, we're going to, the title of the show is Iran Unbound. And, and we're going to take a, a look at where Iran is at this particular point and how it's a beneficiary of uh, Saudi uh, detente, Saudi Syrian detente, Russian China um, uh, becoming closer together, and what its role could be in this sort of grander alliance, not just. Uh, not just economically, but militarily as, as well, and, and and talk a little bit about what's going on with Iran and why we need to, what what we've done wrong with Iran, and and what what we what we need to be thinking about in the context of Iran's role in uh, in the coming um, in, in the coming months and years. Uh, so I think it's going to be an interesting. Uh, Iran has fascinated me um, for a long, long time, and and. I was in, in 1978, um, still in college, and uh, my, my job was to pick the lecturer for the big lecture series on campus that year. This was a lecture that started with Churchill and Truman in 1946, and so it was a big deal for me to, as, 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 as a college guy to have that. And, and I invited the, the uh, Iranian ambassador uh, to the United States to come explain uh, to middle America, what was going on in Iran. And this was on the cusp of the revolution and one thing and another. And, uh, and ever since then, I've just been sort of fascinated and given Iranian Armenian interaction and commonalities and so forth. It's, it's, it's easy to say, but, but I, 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 I've always been fascinated with what, what's going on in Iran. Um, uh, I feel badly for the Iranians, uh, but it, we we have to take Iran as we find it, not as we want it to be at this particular point. And so I think the more we know about what's going on, the better decisions we can make from an international perspective. And so that's our topic tomorrow. We'll, we'll tend to do one other sort of, you know, over the horizon topic as well, but I haven't decided on what that's going to be yet. But tomorrow's going to be 
I think a pretty in and, and and given who we've got on the on the panel, I think it'll be uh, uh, we, we, this won't be, this won't be uh, this won't be speculation. This is going to be more informed discussion. So it should be good. So uh, uh, nine Eastern and uh, and uh, and we'll hope that folks can join us uh, if 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 they're so interested. So that's that's my pitch. I was getting ready to plug it anyway, so yeah. it's I of know. course. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, so, quick shout out to the show sponsors, of course, TacticalWisdom.com, the man, myth, the legend, sitting right here that has been uh, very patient with this long rambling bunch of interludes with with just a little bit of, of uh, sanity in here on part of the the guests uh <laughs> good time now, good time my dogs aren't being as patient as i am but you're you're you you have put up you and stan have put up with my incoherent insane ramblings uh, for, for almost three hours now but uh tacticalwisdom.com four volume series it is uh, books that you need to have on your bookshelf i have them on my bookshelf looking over just to my right uh, they're, the they're, direct, they're directly behind me here right so mine they mine sit on are, they sit on top of the rhodesian sas combat manual so that's nice that's, nice uh, so i have right. that to my left yeah, I have the the small paperback and a gold cover. Is yeah. is that the one you've got? That's the one. Ah, ah I do it. I was gonna say my my tactical wisdom books are actually over here beside "For Him the Bell Tolls" by Hemingway, uh, which is one of my favorite nice. books, uh, as well as "Across the Fence" by uh, John Stryker Meyer. We'll have to make sure you both get one of the the proof copies of uh, of number five when it's ready. So, I'm looking forward to it. I really yeah. am, man. Well, in the meantime, it's... in the meantime, you know, I, I have a copy of the book that you recommended as the stopgap member, uh, the stopgap for that. You know, it's the Boy Scout Handbook to First Aid. It, it, it comes in handy sometimes. It comes well. in handy. It's actually not a badly written book. No, um, it's not. So. It's not. But. Couple of the other show sponsors, of course, uh, the Jorge Morvig show over on TNTradio.com. Definitely good give dude. him a listen. Yeah. Great guy. You know, I know uh Joe, you've been on with him. I've yeah. been on with him a few times. Yeah, what an incredible host. And it's always a breath of fresh air to talk to him, but to get a long-term view of the world, you know, he he lived through the Balkans. He has lived through other very serious calamities in the world. He's got a very interesting take on Mexico uh, because he lives there. And he, his, his career getting into podcasting, guy's a rock star. And he's an absolute genius. Uh, so definitely worth a listen. You can listen to him, of course, on the Podbean app. If you look up TNT Radio and the Horve Morvik Show, you will find him. Uh, of course, you can also find him at TNTRadio.com. And I've been a guest of his uh, a few times, uh, as well as Joe. 
And uh, you can find those shows back in the archives. There's a lot of great other uh, guests that have been on there. That that uh, great shows. He's done a great show. There's a lot of other wonderful hosts over there as well. Some TNTRadio.com. Blacksmith Publishing. Hall of Favor. Mike Blackburn. Special Forces Legends. A uh, couple of guys that still teach at the SF Qualification Course Schoolhouse. Uh, longtime instructors for the SF Small Unit Tactics Course. And wrote the book on it. They wrote the book on it. The Special Forces Small Unit Tactics Handbook through Blacksmith Publishing. Written a lot of other great books as well. Uh, Iron Sharpening Iron being an absolute must read, in my opinion. That's another book that got me through a pretty rough era in my life. And the uh, as, as the Lord would have it, Lord willing, I got to uh, not just meet Paul, but do a podcast with him, get to interact with him, uh, him and Mike. And that that has been uh, one of the biggest honors that I've had in doing all this. And uh, did another podcast with them about a week ago where we were talking about uh, finances for the troubles ahead. Where we were talking about precious metals, gold, silver, tangibles, so on and so forth. Got into a little bit of guerrilla economics and uh, really, really good stuff. Last, certainly not least, CivilDefenseManual.com. Civil Defense Manual written by Jack Lawson. Of course, I wrote the communications chapter in it. And uh, that was the impetus for me writing The Gorilla's Guide to the Balfang Radio and the other books that I am working on now that uh, hopefully I can get kicked out before too long. Of course, Gorilla Dispatch Volume 1 is out and has been selling like crazy. Great response to that book as well. And Volume 2 will be out within a couple of days. So definitely want to pick up that as well to add to your collection. A lot of reading, a lot of summertime reading while you're getting out there on the beach getting that tan on. Anyway, with that said, gentlemen, thank you so much for thank being you, on. Thank you. I can't wait to be back in your presence. I know tomorrow night, Privy Council, we're going to be having a heck of a lot of fun on there. And to get you guys on again next week, and we're going to be talking about sheep, livestock herding, and some of the more, more uh, mainstream survivalist conversation that I know I'm really, really looking forward to. You got to get, you got to get you some great Pyrenees dogs. If you're going to do sheep herding, that's. Oh yeah. Yeah. You got to get, you got to, you got to get dogs. that will protect them and dogs. that will hurt them. So that's what they were bred for. Anyway, gentlemen, God bless you. God bless everyone in the audience out there. Continue going out doing great things in his name, in his name. Remember that going into the days ahead. God bless. Good night. And I'll talk to you again very, very soon. Sensei Scout out.